Borag Thong Earthlets. Before we start the show, I just want to say that we're all deeply saddened by the death of artist Ron Smith. He died the day before this episode came out, and it's a real blow to the history of both 2000 AD and Judge Dredd especially. Fox and I will talk more about Smith and his legacy in an upcoming episode, but until then, I'd just like to say that he was an amazing talent and will never be forgotten. Rest in peace. Thank you very much. Splendig Vrithrig! My name is Conrad, alongside my friend Fox. This is a special episode of Space Spinner 2000, a podcast where two Americans try to make sense of the UK's own Galaxy's Greatest Comic 2000 AD, one month of progs at a time. Well, what's so special about it, Conrad? How's this so special? I'm getting to it, buddy. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) This episode, we're taking a break. From, uh, to review what we covered the year 2018 and to do an Ask Me Anything for, uh, for each other and with questions from you, the listeners. Woo! Hooray. Yeah. All right. So, Fox, we decided ahead of time that we'd be extremely freeform in this discussion of what we oh, covered beautiful. in 2018 this year. Hooray. Good times. Almost, almost too freeform as we started, as we had to spend like 30 minutes scrambling for our various notes and stuff as we started <laughs> the show. Womp womp. Fox keeps yeah. bad notes. So, you know, I was really, like, 2018 ended up working out really well just because um, we did, thir- you know, we did four-ish, four progs a year, basically, and so the year ended up taking exactly, like, 52 weeks yeah. so that we could start week one with January of 20, of uh, with January of 1982 and finish it uh, with December 1985, so it's basically 1982 to 85, oh, which nuts. is really, like, widely considered to be basically the golden age of 2000 AD, basically. Like, it's, uh, it's pretty close. I definitely feel like we're walking into some new stuff now with 1986 that I'm pretty stoked for. But Yeah, but I mean, as we enter 86, you can see, like, I, I feel like in 82, we had a pretty consistent, like, lineup, I guess. Like, you know, the same maybe 12 total thrills mm-hmm. sort of constantly running, you know, just starting and stopping and going like that. Yeah. I think in the coming years in... Starting with 86 and moving onward, we're going to start seeing new thrills, new creators, and, and things like that. So, Oh, awesome. It's an interesting transition point. Yeah, I mean, you know. Hooray, new thrills. Like, we're starting... Yeah, I mean, we're reading stuff now by, by new writers like Grant Morrison and um, stuff like that. And then, mm. you know, like, we're getting, like... And then there's new, like, uh, um, we'll end 1986 especially with... Um, new stories by like Peter Milligan with like bad company and other things like that. Um, there's, you know, there's new stuff to come. That's not just the same sort of characters that we've seen before, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But anyhow, so I guess, I don't know, maybe we could just go through some years and talk about what we liked in those just sort of, or maybe talk about like, um, individual storylines maybe, or thrills, I guess. I mean, I, I did, there's definitely some like random stuff I want to bring up. Um, yeah please like i mean so it's not since there's only two of them that we ever really get to see from the last three years i did want to kind of bring up a weird favorite of ours which is like space or uh future sports like yeah so i i like i remember mean arena (laughs) at least you know in my (laughs) mind's eye 
looking back at the at the beginning of 1982, I remember Mean Arena just slowly becoming this inside joke for us where it's like just a murder fantasy for this guy, right? Like, oh yeah. Like it was just really yeah. convoluted, like getting a doctor to have surgery to look exactly like him. So they kill him instead of the guy mm-hmm. that he's also trying to kill, which is the main character. Yeah, to get revenge. Yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, I think we talked about that a lot sort of when we were when we were covering Mean Arena, which mm. was that <laughs> just the actions of Matt Talon on that in oh, that. um in that story, it just ended up being like pretty, like objectively evil or like bad guy moves. Like, like you said, I mean the 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 plastic surgery one's definitely the <laughs> ultimate example of that. Where yeah, like there are a bunch of people trying to um, to kill him, and so he like yeah had the had this guy he he wanted to get revenge on like to have his face and then they killed him and then like he just sort of showed up and then said like hey i am actually unkillable like <laughs> but, but like but that whole plastic that surgery yeah i mean like we said at the time i think like that whole the whole setup is like literally something that the joker would do in batman you know (laughs) i I love that and not like 1960s joker like grim 1980s joker you know what i mean yeah the naughty (laughs) joker as opposed to the funny joker well yeah i mean the 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 joker that's like you know like the killing joke joker i guess which is sort of a reference to other 2000 ad creators doing batman stuff but yeah no, I just, I remember it eventually going sour. I, you know, at least from what I recall, but I... Well, I think I, we were I, always pretty down on Mean Arena. Like, I think that was really the whipping boy for most of, 19, for a lot of 1982 <laughs> until it ended. Like, it was kind of silly, and like, we'd kind of be like, what? Like, like if it ever got a top, it was because we were like, holy, holy shit, like, what is this story, you know? He's doing something this evil, which... Yeah. Kind of like I wanted to sort of put that in comparison to one that's pretty fresh in our minds, which is Mean Team. Like mm, one that so I many think, means. I know, you know, future sports have to be mean. They can't be they can't be nice arena and nice team. They gotta be mean team. Of course mean. not. No um, man, in action we're reading uh, Death Game nineteen ninety nine, man. It's gotta be negative. <laughs> <laughs> it's Hug Bowl twenty eighteen, man. I'm not watching. I'm not watching. Read no comics about no hug bowl, buddy. Get out of here. <laughs> so I, I mean, like, so what's what's kind of your take? Because I feel like, I feel like with Mean Arena, uh, or sorry, Mean Team, we definitely liked that mm-hmm. one a lot more. Like, kind of out the gate in terms of its pacing yeah. and insanity. Um, although it it never, <laughs> I guess it just disappeared from the face of the earth. But whatever. Well, I mean, I think what was good about I, th- I think the big difference between Mean Team and Mean Arena is what their like um, what their objectives were. Because mm-hmm. with Mean Team, the second one, it was very much like, all right, I've got you know, we've got ten ten issues to kind of get from the status quo of this game to get to Earth where we're going to be fighting monsters or something. So. It went very quickly in terms of establishing the game, establishing the team, doing something really crazy to draw you in. In this case, transplanting a psychic's brain into a panther. <laughs> Gotta keep him hooked, man. And then, 
Yeah, and then and then having a big escape scene and getting to Earth. So it was like ten pages of whatever. Like I think the problem with Mean Arena was that it was one of it was sort of this old school. You know, I feel I feel bad because I defended uh, Jerry Findlay Day against charges of being old fashioned, but Tom Tully is kind of old fashioned too. Where yeah. it's like for him it was more sort of about like, all right, we're just gonna kind of keep this story up in the air and keep things moving along ever so slightly. But you know, the actual um, you know, objective is really far away, and you know we'll never and, and and it's hard to get to. So just sort of here's one thing, you know, and just another moment in the course of this game, another like sort of trickle of the truth and stuff. And so that made it really tough sure. when Mean Arena ended. And what in a giant you know, video game box with with uh, Rolo Hardy pressing I mean, buttons to kill you with pinballs? Like, <laughs> I mean, I like that that final part where they get all electrocuted and stuff is pretty awesome. But I mean, I think we said at the time that there's still a lot of cards on the table, oh, right? Yeah. Like, it would have been really cool if you know, because there was no like final showdown with a kid mm-hmm. with that uh, little kid bo- r- robot bodyguard. Like the early story, the early part of the story raised some questions about Matt Talon's identity that were never really picked up on and stuff. You know, like there's, there's a, a bunch of stuff we could have played with or or like sought out in some way or just, you know, because this is one of the things that I kept fantasizing about. Just make him the bad guy. Just make him definitely yeah. the bad guy where he's just murdering all of these people and he just goes off off wheels on revenge or off road on revenge everybody's now revenge totally <laughs> so much oh yeah get this revengeance buddy but so i guess i don't know to change uh, um I, I i will say that i'm still in favor of sports comics just because mm-hmm. they're so different from anything else from the comics i'm used to you know they're i mean fresh. i've said this a bunch of times you know in america comics are almost always about superheroes and stuff and so the idea of it being a sports team seems like a ample ground for comics but also one that's not well traveled i suppose or at least in america you know but uh speaking of well-traveled ground fox (laughs) i feel like we talked a lot about me and arena and not about the the main dude and all this 2000 ad stuff so what what did you think about the 1982 a year in dread huh that judge dread guy uh apocalypse war right like, mm-hmm. wasn't that yeah, just... Yeah, started the year with a bang, literally. <laughs> like, uh, it was so... Because uh, I'm, I'm trying to remember, like, a little bit. There were certain beats uh, that... I mean, obviously, you can't fucking forget the Apocalypse War. It was just mm-hmm. so much fucking carnage. And I loved the way that it ended. Uh, especially with, like, them just walking out of the place. Like, yeah. or what, Dread just coming in. And, like, no one doing anything about it. It was just like, holy shit. Like, especially with how it starts, which was Block Mania in the previous year, right? Like, yeah. And, and like, people just kind of going fucking nuts. Things escalating to a point where uh, it became a nuclear arms race with them. Like, that defines 1982, arguably, right? Like, is. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that. Yeah, that first half of 1982 is, one, is all Apocalypse War. I mean, I, I remember. When I first read through the comics and I was just sort of going through, I remember just racing through and barely even looking at a lot at some of the other thrills just because I wanted to get to the next part of the Apocalypse War and just see what was going to happen, you know? It's really fucking good. I mean, yeah, really? definitely. And I also really liked um, the 
how the um, like the aftermath of the apocalypse war lasted for almost years, I think, in the yeah. course of yeah, uh, Mega City One. Yeah, I mean, there was so much. Well, I mean, so much, especially of '82, is based around the apocalypse war stuff, like the League of Fatties and stuff, uh, fungus, oh, God, for instance. Yeah, I mean, all that stuff is really great, but also really just as a result of the apocalypse war, just making that be a big thing. That's a long-term thing on the city. You know, it'd be, it'd be easy to just have mega city one sort of go back to, um, to just go back to normal immediately afterwards. But instead there's all these stories about rebuilding, about rationing, which I know maybe not if you're a kid in England, but like, I I I know if you're like a kid in 1980s England, then like your parents and grandparents had to deal with a ton of rationing, you know, in for years after World War II, for instance, um, and just you know, the, the, as the country got back on its feet, and so that's something that would be something that that you'd heard about, and you could really empathize with and judge dread, you know. Um, it's really kind of interesting. I mean, even I mean, even as we kind of crest into like 83 and so on. They're still finding random radiation pits. I mean, in 85, <clears throat> things seem pretty status quo, but there, there's mention of it. Uh, there's still mention yeah, I mean, of these even... random pits. There's still mention of, like, these random anomalies and, and weird beasts <laughs> and shit like that. Yeah, and it wasn't until 85, even, that they ended uh, the uh, the segregation block for the fatties oh, yeah, and Two-Ton right. two Tony got out, you know? Yeah, that's right. Like, they were in there for, like, three years or so. And he somehow still got fatter. Yeah, well, you know, some people just have a bad metabolism. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, there were other great stuff in, in Dread 2. Like, I think Cry of the Werewolf was an amazing Dread story. Just one that um, is just sort of allowed, you know, created this sense of Dread, this sense in Dread that sort of anything in science fiction is possible in Judge it's Dread, so you know? I think. I think uh, the haunting of Sector House Nine oh, yeah. in '84 is like that too, right? Where a ghost it's, it, it's, can it, just I, inhabit a building. Yeah, I mean, I think it, you know it's a big thing we're going to start seeing, especially with the with the Anderson story that's starting um, in '86. But I love just when elements of the fantastique enter into Judge Dredd. <laughs> you know? Wow. Yeah, of course. Because because it'd be real easy to just have it be like sci-fi stuff and aliens or whatever but i think adding in weird stuff like monsters and literal werewolves literal vampires um, i mean psychic are, abilities magic powers all that stuff is really great really me say that fiends of the eastern front was not a fantastic comic <laughs> so oh absolutely specifically for vampires <laughs> totally yeah, there's actually a, um, a a new version of Fiends just starting in the in the live progs, like what's Shut going up. on right now. Actually, they they've re they they brought it back. Yeah, oh. no, there's a real cool like uh, cover with like a a big vampire guy with like a World War II aviator goggles on and stuff, God like in like it, this week's awesome. prog as we're recording this. <laughs> that's so awesome. Yeah, no, I'm 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 excited to read it. I'm way behind in my on my modern progs, but I definitely got to get to it. Yeah, I mean, so even, like, continuing from, like, 82 and onwards, right? So we, I think, like, for the past three years, obviously, the, the big defining stuff. Or four like, years, yeah. Or four years, yes, uh, was the Apocalypse War, right? But you still have things like, you know, um, uh, the Four Dark Judges Breakout, 
um, sort of series. Mm -hmm. That was really pretty neat. You obviously, because you also mentioned, uh, um, oh damn, why am I... Why am I brain lapsing right now? <laughs> uh, oh yeah, blue, blue, uh, blue pyres. Oh, uh, city of the damned. Yeah, city of the damned. Yeah, sexy was, vampire Hershey. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> which was like everything, everything leading into it. It's like, hey, we're going to, we're going to the future now, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and and just them abandoning the concept midstream was just like, all right. But uh, it's pretty, yeah, it's pretty ridiculous. Just like, yeah, listen, we're just bailing out, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just like all of those stories were super great, but I still think what because we haven't had an epic like the Apocalypse War for a time, right? Or certainly no. nothing, nothing of that length. But what has dotted? No, I mean, has... City of the Damned would have been, but yeah, it's definitely been a while since we've had one. I think that's the only, you know, we used to have them almost every year, like in this in the mm. in the eighties or something. You'd have like. You know, Cursed Earth and Judge Cow were back to back. Oh, those were awesome. And then I think that, yeah, and then the next year was like Judge Child and stuff, and then Apocalypse War. Judge Child, who just kept think, haunting the entire comic book for a very long time. Yeah, I liked, um, th- there was some good stuff with the Judge Child this year, too, sort of how he brought mm-hmm. back, he brought Mean Machine Angel back from the dead, which I think is a really strong move because means a lot of fun. Yeah, and then ended up being the mutant in City of the Damned and stuff, and a really good, uh, like, just, just way to clear up that like character, you know. Well, and I guess to just go back to that planet and nuke the fucking robot overlord for reason. <laughs> I mean, it was just it. It was always funny that they just sort of decided to leave this powerful psychic in the hands of a rogue robot. You know, <laughs> like that's such a weird choice for. I mean, I um, guess. For the story, you know. I mean, yeah. Well, you know, they tried to leave well enough alone, but then when that wasn't a, when that wasn't an option, then then you got to nuke it. You know, <laughs> fool me once, shame. Fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice, you got to get nuked. That's my motto. Oh God, so patriotic. Right. <laughs> uh, but I hey, think what's listen. what's marked what's marked a lot of uh, Judge Shred though is like the little mini stories, right? So it's like the Hunters Club. Oh, absolutely. Which was something that I fucking loved, but obviously Midnight Surfer being the critical darling for a lot of people. Yeah, that's that's a big one for me. Um, also, stuff like the Executioner, if you remember that one, uh, with the uh, with, with the lady that was killing all those mob guys. Oh and stuff. my god, that's right! And she was doing it in all those crazy fucking ways, and no one could figure out how the fuck she was doing it. Yeah, and then stuff like uh, like the Starborn thing with the uh, with that alien that like took Dread over and Dread was just wandering the wastes with an alien stuck to his back, being like, "Watch out, I'm going to kill you," and then, and then he kills you. You know, it's good times. <laughs> I don't remember um, that. Oh, it, he, it was like this big squid thing that was like all over him. You know? Oh I don't know. yeah, I remember. <laughs> I remember Nosferatu. The the guy who just like kills yeah. people for his blood god. It's many eyed spider right. god. Write his name in blood indeed. Uh, oh my god. <laughs> yeah, no, I still gotta I still gotta find a D and D game so I can worship uh, Ragnos, the many eyed the oh, spider yeah. god of death that that personifies itself as the starry night sky because I think that's a really <laughs> cool a really cool thing. It really is. You gotta you gotta do some dark magic shit with that. Yeah. Hey, so, okay, I want to talk about uh, two big things from this era, um, Fox, that I think really personify this early era stuff. Uh, 
One of them is uh, Slain, which is the main thrill that really premiered in 1982. Mm. Like it's the big like like premiere like long running premiere thrill. And then I want to talk about uh, the works of Alan Moore, which we've mostly seen oh, in this yeah. year as well. I well, I mean, that's the thing. This this sort of talk will eventually just be, hey, remember all of the things that Alan Moore did. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. Let's let's do that one first. Then I guess you know we've done. There's a ton of Alan Moore stuff in sort of eighty two to eighty five. By by eighty two, he's really started to do a bunch of future shocks and stuff. That's where the majority of his future shocks are, I think. Ooh, although they um, are good future shocks. Eighty one, eighty one, and through eighty two, I think you know Alan Moore's sort of to me is is one of the masters of the future shock of just sort of being able to get in, tell a really cool story that's often can sort of pull the heartstrings and then getting out, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, um, I mean, we're gonna. What's actually going to happen in eight in eighty six is we're going to start start. At the, they're actually going to start reprinting some of his future shocks in the uh, in the current prog. Like I think actually, yeah, like we're, we'll see like various ones from the early eighties that he wrote. You know, cool. just sort of being reprinted from the archives, just so more more people can read them. And for two thousand eighty to kind of jump on the bandwagon because like Watchmen's coming out in eighty six and stuff yes. like that. You know, Amen. so you got to kind of climb Which aboard the big name, issues. basically. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, so I guess we start with Dr. and Quinch, because that's kind of like where you start, right? Yeah, I, I mean, I think, I forget if Dr. and Quinch comes before Skiz or after it, but it's definitely, oh, you know, those two are sort of at, at the same time. Yeah, because I thought Go Straight was before Skiz, or at least they no, came I think, out at the no, same Skiz time. No, is, Skiz is first in 83, and then I believe Dr. and Quinch ah, come okay. in, come in well, 80, shit. comes in 84. Well, shit, let's talk about Skiz first. Skiz is fucking awesome. Yeah, buddy. Freaking oh skiz, God. man. So I, I I, was so convinced when I was first reading it because, you know, everyone was playing it up. But I've, you know, fuck, man. Like, uh, <laughs> uh, Rogue Trooper was also played up as something that I might really enjoy, right? So I'm coming in. I'm coming into skiz and I'm just like, this feels like fucking E.T. I know they probably won't do exactly that because it's fucking 2000 A.D. Someone's going to get a shotgun at some point. But, you know, it, I, I, but every step of the way, once it kind of sheds its E.T. skin, right? And mind you, mm-hmm. like, once you hear him talking and they're actually creating jargon um, for the character itself, the whole fucking comic becomes enduring and terrifying, especially with the the weird German <laughs> evil man. South African, dude. South, South African. African. All right. South yeah. African evil man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Uh, it was fucking great. I loved all of it, uh, especially the fact that you get kind of these three endearing characters that all basically encircle Skiz as like the important uh, Mikeys or whatever of the, of the yeah. group, right? And holy shit, way to write a strong female character, dude. Like, shout out to Alan Moore for like, that was one of the first ones, <laughs> really, right? Yeah, I mean, especially, I, it's, um, like, I guess that Lady and Death Planet is the first, but um, Roxy and Skiz is definitely, like, I think the first good one, right? I just, <laughs> like, like, we don't, we don't talk about Death Planet. I mean, we do, we bring yeah. it up a lot as an example of something bad, but yes. Yeah, I don't Roxy's think we bring it up too much, death. like, to be I, honest. I try to bring it up all the time. <laughs> Anytime I can say Death Planet, I get to, like, kind of 
tip my trilby hat and look down the ridge of my nose from my glasses. Wow. And, and for me, I say, feel like oh, once I, I, I know what Death Planet <laughs> is, you know. Yeah. For me, after I did that uh, bad comics collection, I sort of washed my hands of all of those um, early bad thrills, <laughs> like <laughs> Death Planet, Colony Earth, um, freaking what's that one? Oh God. Um, oh, Colony Earth's really bad. Oh. <laughs> yeah colony earth um the the mystery one what was that guy's name again oh, oh i don't know oh uh, is it the the wolf the kid wolf kid the no the not wolfie wolf? smith the um oh my god i'm the going mystery. all over the place now it was like you know like fuck i'm gonna go back and do this i don't believe this doesn't matter <laughs> this is fantastic i i well i mean for, for, for the record i just said that i I just said that I that that I completely washed my hands of it. So like I'm not feeling bad about not remembering because I specifically said that I don't remember that stuff. I mean, you know me. I love to swim in filth. I love to swim in garbage. But we're not here to talk about garbage. We're here to talk about skiz. Yeah. So so anyhow, anyhow, all that to say, man, for me, skiz is um the best. It's fantastic. Like, it really like does so much. Like the 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 characters are really great, like like all the humans and Skiz himself as well. Just sort of, I love how uh, Rick Random. That's what I was thinking of. But oh, um, <laughs> oh fuck Rick Random, fuck Rick Random. Yeah, but like I really like that we we spend so much time in Skiz's head. I think that's something that makes it really different from ET, where ET's kind of this cipher who doesn't really have a civilization who like. As much as there's spaceships and stuff, it doesn't change the fact that E.T. himself is naked for, for is naked for the entire movie and just kind of feels like <laughs> a lost child or something. Yeah. As opposed to Skiz, who's like a grown-up that's actually like feeling and, and taking active measures to try to um, get off the planet and stuff. That I think is a big difference and really adds something more to him that makes it different from E.T. Plus just, you know... The creation of the world of um of 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 Birmingham where they where they live, just mm. that feels so much more fully realized as a place where people live and have problems than like the Southern California, wherever it is that uh, E. T. takes place, which is just sort of like random Steven Spielberg suburbs, I guess. Yeah. Well, and I, I don't know, like it's the character of like I for me at least, in terms of uh like Roxy is this gateway into Cornelius and Laws, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Who are who are kind of products of you know Birmingham. They're people. I mean, one of them can't get a job and is basically simple. Uh, although he he's driving trucks, I think, during the entire thing. And Laws is kind of this no good Nick, but friends with her dad mm-hmm. maybe. Um, <clears throat> so it, it has a lot to say in terms of like like the dismissed types of people in the world and, yeah. and who he has to rely on in this case. Cause I think, I think that <clears throat> more than anything, um, that was what laws and kind of Cornelius were supposed to sort of give people the feeling of. It's just like, Oh, it's like it's just a working class schlub and, and a guy who hangs out at like a, at a pub all day or some shit. Right. But they, yeah, they turn out to whatever, be yeah. like, not just heroes, but like, fucking superheroes man like i want to see <laughs> the spin-off comic cornelius and laws go to mars or some shit it does, like it literally doesn't matter 
um, because they're they're so great, especially fucking Cornelius. Oh my god, my heart! Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I just want to die. Yeah. Well, I think there's you know there's more skids to come though. We're a ways away from it at this point. Um, so okay, so let's talk about Dr. and Quinch uh, uh, quickly, or you know whatever. Let's talk about Dr. and Quinch, man. Oh, okay. those no good nicks. <laughs> <laughs> I love those guys. They're some of my favorite sociopaths. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, I love that they're just sort of out there using big words, but then blowing things up. It's really like they almost feel like proto Bill and Ted's almost like like Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure in that way. Honestly, where there's sort of this. That's really fair. That's a really good comparison to them. Like, I feel like there's a concept where nowadays having a being a, a dumb kid and saying words like awesome and radical, like, are sort of obvious. Like, that's just part of the culture. <laughs> but I feel like before Bill and Ted, those seem like pretty big words for um, for punk kids. You know what I mean? Sure. <laughs> and now it's just dumbed down. I mean, what, what do we get yeah. through... Through 1985, so it was Go Straight, Girl Crazy. Yeah, all of them. Oh, I mean, I guess that's fair. Okay. <laughs> uh, jo- you know, Join the Army, Go to Hollywood, mm. all those ones. Oh, God, mind the oranges, Marlon. I mean, like, I think the real testament to DR and Quinch, really, is that they just stay part of the 2080 reader, like, lexicon, you know? Mm, really? Like, well, I mean... <laughs> I'll just say, like, a big thing to keep an eye out for is just how many, like, Judge Quinches or Judge DRs we'll see in the fan art over the coming years. Oh, that's awesome. For me, for me, it seems like a consistent thing that sort of continues, like, into the 90s or making, like, a DR and Quinch version of whatever the new character is or something like that, you know? Um like, I mean, I think, you know, it's a big thing. Like, in, in the 85, like, descent, like Christmas issue, they had a DR and Quinch, you know, cover. Mm-hmm. And DR and Quinch hasn't, hasn't been a regular feature in, like, no. a year and a half. You no, know? and, I, and like, that's why I sort of, like, because I gave it an award. Uh, but, like, my, yeah, big, that's right. my big thing was, like, I... Like, why? I mean, it was awesome, and it was adorable, and maybe it was just, you know, sort of, hey, let's let's do this. It's been, like, a, about a year, you know, since we'd seen DR and Quinch go to Hollywood, and... But I think it's because those characters are really popular, and, like, people are... I'm, I'm sure they're, they were constantly getting letters to do more DR and Quinch. I mean, that's why they'll do more DR and Quinch, like, as a back page thing. Mm-hmm. Like, not written by Alan Moore, but still sort of associated with it, you know? Oh, sure. um, like because people are so interested and it's a real testament to these sort of you know like like reprobate delinquent characters <laughs> that um, sort of populate this the the, the the strip you know I, and it's funny because I, I, I know that you've yeah. mentioned this also before it's like obviously he remembers writing Halo Jones and fucking Skiz but like I still find it very strange that he disavows the creation of DR and Quench or not, not yeah I thought that was really but... It was definitely a really funny thing in, like, Thrill Power Overload where, like, Alan Moore basically said, like, those guys are jerks. Like, I don't – I want to be associated with their, like, you know, with these delinquent boys sort of <laughs> blowing things up and being assholes sure. basically. Which, I mean, I guess, but, like, yeah. I mean, 
they're just so fun and so many people like them that that seems yeah. like I don't know mean almost or something. Well, I don't know. Sort of, they're sort of the the joke characters of Teen Rebellion, right? Like, yeah, which is, I think I think a lot of what people were going through. But keep in mind, they're also just sociopaths, so it's it's funny mm-hmm. what they're the way that they're acting and what they're doing. But they're not like fucking role models, man. Like disavowing them from like oh, I no. don't want to associate with this it's like no but fucking kids get it they get the difference yeah it's like, i think that's true they're lovable characters i don't know yeah I definitely like okay so elephant in the room for alan moore discussion uh halo oh, jones shit. buddy i gotta i gotta say like i feel like i'm almost halo jonesed out just because but when we're recording this we oh, yeah. just finished our coverage of uh book three Mm-hmm. Which I think we ended up talking about um, both the story and sort of the legacy of Halo Jones for like half an hour on its own. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm so I'm there with you, and I think that like well documented. What I what I will say is uh, that sort of aside from this, it's now at this point that I feel very much a part of the community, right? Because this is something that mm. I see now people referencing as like this is a very important thing. It was something that you referenced as an important thing. Um, I'm sure yeah. there's other things to come, but like once you get to book three, you know, once you get through book one and are astounded and then book three, right. And say what, where the fuck yeah. did everything go? <laughs> I feel like at that point you're officially, you know, a 2000 AD reader. <laughs> yes. I mean, I definitely feel like it's a big milestone for our show of just getting to through like, you know, Whenever we pass through like a classic story, basically, it's always really cool. And sort of finishing the ser- finishing the Halo Jones series is, I think, a really cool milestone that we've gotten on our journey here. You know, mm-hmm. that we've sort of managed to, you know, defeat to to get through it and sort of get onto a, you know, be into the post Halo Jones part of of 2000 AD, which is still most of 2000 AD, but it's still a cool milestone. Sure. You know, <laughs> no, absolutely. I, I will. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm happy about it. Yeah, I'll say for the record, I think, I think I might like Skiz a little bit more than Halo Jones. I think, yeah. um, I just I don't know. Like, I feel like Skiz is more because Skiz is so self-contained and really has a satisfying end. Although they are doing sequels, but just that one Skiz story, I really love the ending of it. Um, in a way that makes me feel sort of like, I don't know, like happy and hopeful as opposed oh, to sure. sort of scared and depressed the way that even the final <laughs> Halo Jones ending has, you know? I, so I'm not I'm not in total disagreement with you there because I feel like Skiz itself closed as a story completely. I would need to I would never need to see another Skiz comic again and I would be very happy about it as an example. Yeah. Um, with Halo Jones, I see a lot of like lost potential like this whole universe Mm. and the things that were going on and uh, around it the characters that you get to meet uh it felt uh, like star trek man i mean a more depressing (laughs) star trek but it's like right like just anything could be in this world and there's like all of this crazy shit it feels as lived in as like a strontium dog or a judge dread and that's where i Mm -hmm. i was curious to see where things would go I definitely felt it started getting, it got a lot different after book two. I think book one and two were really impressive. I think book three, things felt a little weird or maybe rushed. It's hard for me to say. Um, But I'm there with you with Skiz. Like, I'm I'm not going to make these two 
kind of duke it out in an arena for my love. I love them both, but Skiz definitely had a greater <laughs> effect on me, you know? Well, I think, yeah, I think also just, um, I, th- I think for all of these, the like one of the really important things about them is just how different they are from what else oh, yeah. is in 2000 AD, Holy you shit. know? <laughs> that sort of makes them, re- it, it makes them all, it, it, it makes both Skiz and Halo Jones really noteworthy just because they feel like they're a different, you know, because they're different than what the the other stories in the Prague, and they sort of show a potential of what 2080 could be doing mm. if they felt like they wanted to, basically. And then, and then I think they've gotten in some other spaces. I think like some of the some of the darker parts of like Hell Trekkers or something does an interesting job of approaching sort of the the sadness of 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 the of of Halo Jones and stuff or of Skiz as well. Um, and other things like that, but it's often something that they don't really strive for because you know in the end they're sort of making comics for kids. Almost. Yeah, sure. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, so it's like like why get too crazy with it? I guess. Well, their main attack is thrill power, right? They want to make thrilling, yeah, action based comics, right, or sci fi action. Totally. So you know, takes a takes cool. A yeah. So once in a while. yeah. So I guess talking quickly about some more thrill power stuff, I want to talk about Slain just a little bit, just because mm-hmm. that's a story that that premiered during our 82 coverage and that it's sort of going on to different stuff. So Fox quickly, what's cool about Slain? Dragon heist. <laughs> Are you fucking kidding? Yeah, buddy. Dragon heist was the best. I, that's all I have to say. Dragon heist. You should yeah. Just read I really it. like that story too. Oh. Yeah. It's, it's real fun. It's in the final, uh, I think it's at the start of the Time Killer book, actually, which is kind of an interesting setup just because it does have you be able to see this transition. Because I think that's a really interesting thing about Slain. We talked about it a little bit at the start of 85. transition but, into weird time crap? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I, I don't, I, you know, I'm sort of saying crap sort of pejoratively because I think it's cool. Like there's yes. definitely some awesome stuff in there. But I think it's just really interesting how Slane's been able to change from this story about a medieval or, I don't know, ancient time warrior mm. um, to like a futuristic um, time, you know, time traveling, like all over the place guy. <laughs> <You know? laughs> oh, sure. I mean, it, and it, it did it, uh, you know, I wouldn't say the word graceful, but it did it awesome. Yeah, I'd say, you know, it's it's abrupt for sure because they just sort of like steal a dragon in a fantasy setting and then fly it into a sci-fi setting basically. But I think it's also really cool. Yeah, but I agree that that, that it's done in a cool way, in yes. a way that makes you sort of like want to see what's going on and learning about all this new stuff. It's a you fucking know? laser gun. Also, uh, yeah. would, you, would you blank a pluke? I don't know. I'd fly a pluke, I guess, but that's still kind <laughs> of a gross thing. I don't know if I'd ever fly a pluke. I don't know what action that I would deem acceptable for for any sort of me being around a pluke. Oh, uh, you, would you? Would you? If you needed to escape your enemies, I'm sure you'd hug it and give it uh, positive emotions, just like anybody else, buddy. You gotta oh, that survive. Was, that's that my was answer. the best, stupidest thing ever. Ugh. God, the the whole balance of good and evil thing was <laughs> when they made fun of it in that way. That was great, and he just like gave the yeah. gave the pluke a little bit of hey, you did a great job, bud. I was like, oh, this is so self aware. <laughs> well, because I like that 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 didn't work. Pluke's like, you got to actually want to do it for good. You can't just do it to like want to help yourself, buddy. I'm like, come on. 
it was sort of the uh it was sort of the uh, wishing, like not being able to wish for more wishes kind of situation for Slane. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you gotta you gotta really love Pluke if you want him to f- be a love-powered engine. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> Enough of so, this time. I don't know. I feel like we've talked a lot about different r- random stuff in 1982. I'd say, you know, we, ob- we specifically didn't do a lot of planning for this. If you really want to hear our, our 82 uh, or our, our, uh, our 2018 thoughts, I'd say listen to those th- four uh, spinny episodes oh, sure. from various years as well. Uh, I just, just wanted you to have bring some time up rattling around. one last one, and this one's for you, baby. Oh, please. Harry on the High Rock. Yeah, Harry on the High Rock, buddy. Oh, my God, right? Yeah, no, I love that. That's a great story. Um, great. Uh, Alan Davis art and then um, yeah, Jerry Finley Day just writing this super taut um, you know thrill running through I love yeah like I was going to talk about it actually for some of the questions we have from oh, the AMA okay, well, a then little maybe bit maybe we should save it maybe we should save it <laughs> but I'll basically just say that like what's great about Harry on the High Rock is that you could do it as a movie and just and just make the uh, make the story as it appears in the progs basically <laughs> Or you can make it being a fucking terrifying robot face. You know, the that's the that's one of the greatest 2000 AD uh, uh, plot twists. (laughs) You know, it's like it's like Toby killed Brenna and um, Ben ninety is a robot. (laughs) Like those are the two. Those are the two 2080 plot twists so far. It's so true. And you're just like, holy shit, what? (laughs) Like, like one's a, oh, that sad plot twist. One's like a, what? (laughs) Kind of plot twist. (laughs) so great. Oh, Conrad, I love this comic book. I love it so much sometimes. Uh, Yeah, man, it really, uh, it really gets to it. Okay. So yeah, listen. Oh, I want to say also you could do a TV show about Harry on the High Rock. That's sort oh of God. a longer form escape thing. Just because, <laughs> like, like you know, I used to watch that show Oz on HBO. Oz and, is great. Yeah, and so I loved all the stuff where they'd like show the background of the character and what crime they did and stuff like that. And so just kind of do an Oz, but it's like on a space station and everybody's doing sci-fi crimes. Like, <laughs> okay. Like, oh, I'd take that in a minute. You know, I'm ready to go. I mean, Cyberpunk's (laughs) coming out sometime this year, right? Yeah. We'll see. You know, yeah, get him, get him, freaking Harry on the High Rock mod. I'm ready to go. Oh, my God. uh, (laughs) Or like a version of, or like a version of the ship, but like it's, it's space prison. I don't know. Oh, Um, man, that'd be great. Yeah, get out there, guys. Okay, so let's downshift into the uh, th- this AMA part of the show, Fox. Um, okay, I'm into that. I, re- I really want... I know you've got questions for me, and I've got some things for you, although I'm sure mine are very bad. Um, what? And here. I've also just collated the, the ones that everybody sent in, so I really appreciate all our listeners who send in questions for the AMA. It's really great, and we're going to try to get to all of them. Absolutely, mm-hmm. that's the goal. Do you want to? So there's a lot. Like so it's you know, whatever. So I'll do one, and then you'll do one. Like ask uh, the question. Sh- I mean, we can both. Yeah, do that's one. fine. All right. Why don't you do it? Mega City Book Club, go for it. Oh yeah, sure. Okay. So this one's from the Mega City Book Club. Our buddy Eamon Clark. Uh, based on what you have read so far, which 2080 collection or graphic novel would you hand to a newbie looking to get started with 2080? Ooh. 
Um, for me, I've actually done this with the uh, with a uh, Zane who who uh, hosted the 2080 annual um, episode uh, recently, and I suggested uh, Dread the Cursed Judge Dread the Cursed Earth, which I think is a good way to hop in. Um, we haven't just in sort of like here's a cool dread adventure, I suppose. Um, and then just all of those early mega epics are also kind of good. Just sort of here's a here's an extended story that makes it kind of similar to a western to to, to an American comic book you've read, basically, because it's sort of a longer story. Um, I also suggested, though we haven't covered it yet, uh, Judgment on Gotham, which is the uh, Dread Batman crossover, Ooh. because. That's just like I feel like having having dread crossover with something that you're familiar with, like Batman, d- does sort of make it easier to kind of feel your way into the story. You know, okay. I would generally speaking, I would not suggest um, just starting with Prague One, although that's what you did, folks. <laughs> <laughs> just because it's kind of daunting. I did that too, for the record, but that's sort of you know. <laughs> like I'm a weird dude and I've, I've forced weird things on you. So that's how it goes. <laughs> well, you know, I love it when you force weird things on me, Conrad, just really. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> Don't sound so sexy when you fucking see that. Okay. Never. Okay, I always beautiful. will. So, I mean, I, I, I have been playing around with this idea for a little while, right? Like, because mm-hmm. I've I've read a lot of these, not nearly as many as other people, so I don't know what's coming up in the future. But I'm going to tell you, given most of the friends that I have, um, in terms of like the ones even willing to read comic books, honestly, I'd go with the fucking Invasion, giving it both barrels <laughs> collection. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> I think I think that if I'm going to in some way explain to people. Like, why I find 2000 AD joyous. Kind of starting them with Bill Savage is sort of a great way to go. Like, I get that it's not, like, the highest high notes, and it's not the most artiest of art. Um, but there is no confusing, like, you're just like, oh, so this guy just fixed his problems with a shotgun? You're like, yeah. And that's not even the fucking weirdest thing in this comic. And then you follow that up with Shaco. <laughs> like, you get them that fucking Shaco collection. <laughs> Awesome. Mm-hmm. Now that's good. I feel I feel pretty strongly on it. So okay, mm-hmm. uh, this is from Bob Thompson seventy. Eighty five and eighty six are good years for UK music or uh, chart music. Uh, yeah. Uh, and so he kind of wants to ask the AMA around it. How do you choose uh, the songs for the episodes? Oh man. So I, I guess this one's just for me, of course. Um, yeah. So. For the record, I, I stole this idea from uh, the pod from the podcast, the Fantastic Cast. Who, who you know, Wonderful. we've Wonderful we've had we, we've worked together. Steve Lace has been on this show. I've been on their show. Whatever. But they have a thing at the end of every episode where they play the number one for the week of comics that they're covering. You know, for the for the Fantastic Four, usually Marvel two and one that that they're talking about on, on a specific episode. So I decided to copy that because I it's it's hard to find to figure out what a good kind of royalty free or you know a good like sort of opening music thing is. So I decided to screw that and just you know do a minute of a copyrighted music because whatever <laughs> we don't have to be famous. Um, but the way I do it is I uh, there's a Wikipedia page and you can just put it in there and put like uh, like 1976 in British music basically. <laughs> Whoa. Or or whatever year, but it's a um. But I, I I use just the Wikipedia page that has the top singles that has the charts 
for the year we're covering by month, basically. And so I just sort of find the, you know, whatever's basically the music is whatever's number one for a week within the four episodes that we're covering. Um, and in there, and you know, it, from there, I kind of choose one that sort of speaks to me if there's a bunch of different choices or whatever, whichever one's the longest or whatever else. Um, for annuals and specials and stuff, then sometimes I'll like for the spinnies, I'll do like the, whatever the number one signal for that year was. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes I'll just look at sort of the top, like, you know, hundred songs of the year and pick ones that I liked or that sort of, I think are funny or something like that. You know, I'll always choose in favor of songs that feel really English or really like specific to me. <laughs> like, like, you know, we just had, a, love. <laughs> or like we just had, um, on on reaction, we just had uh, the Wurzels. Uh, I've got a I've got a combine harvester song, oh, which God. is is <laughs> shockingly English. You know, <laughs> like I remember there was one song we had pretty early on that was a uh, like 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 Matchstick Men and Dogs, which is about some English painter guy. You know, mm. I like those ones. Or like when it, when it's some ridiculous Christmas song, like uh, I, I think like there was one that was like there's no one no one does Christmas like Grandma or something, which is just what? a bunch of like little kids with English accents being like, "Oh, I love Christmas with Grandma." <laughs> um, that's really great in terms of just like whoa, like okay, like we're, I'm doing this one you know <laughs> that's I, I didn't make the song man i just i just listened to it on youtube and then did it you know i i feel like you definitely but, went back in time to make the song all right possible but yeah i, I just want to say also that's been one of my favorite things about uh, doing that part of the show is just seeing music evolve, like since we started the show. You know, when we yeah. started the show, we, it was all it was all disco and reggae and stuff. I think we actually had like YMCA as one of the opening songs in a very early episode, and now we've sort of moved through new wave and we're like right starting to get to like hair metal and stuff like that. I'm very excited about it. You know, <laughs> awesome. Yeah. All right. So next one, a couple ones from uh, from Lee Camps, uh, which is uh, Conrad and Fox. If you could transplant your brain into a 2000 AD creature, which one would it be? You can include oh Hookjaw, and that's what I'm taking because Hookjaw <laughs> is the shit. Uh, man, I, <laughs> I don't know. I guess probably like Satanus. Just for the raw power Ooh. and the ability to just be yeah. reborn a thousand times. <laughs> like, yeah, that guy's been reborn, like, yeah, several million years of, uh, in between each other. That's awesome. Yeah, I feel like right, having so, a recurring character spot feels right. Yeah. His next one is, uh, would you both consider doing a live show at one of the UK Comic Cons? Oh, and the yeah, answer is yes, course. absolutely. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, like... The big thing that's stopping it is just the money to travel and then sort of knowing which one to go to. Like, I'd love to, for us to do a live show and, you know, we could do like a special, like a sci-fi special or something, like have everybody buy it. And then we could just kind of do the episode live with everybody reading along and stuff. Maybe like go around and get that one signed by every tooth by all the tooth by any uh, 2000 AD guy that's at that convention, and then like raffle them off or something like that. Bring some golden frisbees with us to hand out. Yeah, no, absolutely. You kidding? Like Like, I'd get stopped in security. I got I, I I got a duffel bag and it's just like a, a um, an extra pair of underwear and then it's just like spray painted frisbees because I got to hand them out to everybody. It's gonna be awesome. It's like all right, you've got three. 
you've got five. Yeah. <laughs> just put, like draw like, their name go on to Spain. Like... Yeah, go go to Spain. Put someone like Carlos's grave. You know, oh. be real weird about it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then his final one was, I have a pet theory that Bill Savage is dredger under a new identity and that Hoagie is secretly clever. Do you have any theories regarding any 2080 year action characters? Oh, this is your specialty. Although I, after, well, though I, in reading the, the whole dredger thing, it is kind of Bill savage Oh yeah. I mean, listen, I, I actually just, just had a conversation with someone on Facebook about this. It's just the fact that there's a disaster 1990 that makes me not just instantly say that, yes, like, Bill Savage is dredger after he quit DI6 and got a new identity, basically. <laughs> it works so well. Like, it's so obvious. But we do have a pretty a pretty steady timeline of Bill from him being, like, 20 in 1990 to him being, like, you know, a, a, a sad dad in 1999, you know? Oh. Like, I guess you could, you could not count Disaster 1990 in there, but I got to count that because that's a key part of my, like, general 2000 AD timeline of, like, how everything goes together, you know? Yeah. I, I feel like we've, like we've had discussions around other characters being in other comics. Yeah, well, I mean, I this is where I, I also bring up my theory that um, Shacko and uh, Polax and Meltdown Man are the same polar oh bear, right? Oh my god, that would be so Pulling fantastic. Su- like kind of a central casting thing, like how uh, Little John in Disney's Robin Hood in in the cartoon Robin Hood is also Baloo the Bear from uh, The Lion King, or from uh, <laughs> so, no from for, from Tailspin. from the Jungle Book. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. And then Tailspin also, but yeah. <laughs> how that's just like they had one polar bear sort of sitting in the in that filing cabinet that Tharg used to resurrect Ace Garp. <laughs> and they just sort of pulled oh him out mind. and was like, hey, look, can you be like, hey, Shaco, could you be Polax for a couple episodes? Like, yeah, sure. Yeah, you know, no problem. Maybe he also wears a mask. Better. and Yeah, maybe he also wears an alien mask and his Ursa as well. You know, he just does all oh, the bear man. roles in 2000 AD. <laughs> I, I will say that the uh, permeance of Mac-Mac across almost all of the comic books is a little bit like alarming. Mm-hmm. I'd like to say that there's some conspiracy in there. Like, Mac Mac is just very clearly, either they got a branding deal with 2080, mm-hmm. and then Tharg, I'm looking at you, because, you know. Yeah. Come on, man. Well, I, I mean, there's there's no, yeah, sorry. No. I, I was going to say that, 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 there, that there's no reason that Ace Trucking and Blackhawk couldn't take place at, at the same time. You know, we don't have any years for either of them. Mm-hmm. Like, there are humans in Ace Trucking, just not a lot of them. Like, you know, it's certainly possible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, that's fair. That's awesome. Yeah, totally. All right. right so you want to do this, yeah, this second Bob, so Bob, Bob, Bob Thompson? Bob yeah. Thompson, AMA. What is the geographical spread like for the podcast downloads? Do you see signs of more Americans getting into at 2000 AD? Do you think, as many say, that Americans don't often or often don't get the satire of dread? Yeah, um, you know, we're mostly England, like England and Commonwealth, I'd say, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, 
I think you know the the spread's kind of funny. Like I think a lot of the ones in America are like me, and like, you know, like I said, Baltimore. Like, oh yeah, that's me. Like I could definitely see myself in a bunch of them. Um, I feel like a lot of the other ones are also people who have literally emailed me saying like, oh, I'm in England, I'm 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 British, and I live in California. This is like a slice of home or something like that. <laughs> like, There's, you know, I'm definitely downloading one or from from Berlin. So. Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you're the guy I see in Berlin. I think uh, uh, Judge Anon, who um, has done some great stuff about uh, female judges in 2000 AD, he lives in Brazil. So I think I've I've seen him like person like like there's one dot that I'm like, oh yeah, that's that guy, you know. (laughs) (laughs) But like if you look at the map, it's pretty funny because they sort of color it based on um, based on number of downloads. And so, the, like, most of the world's white, of course. Like, some parts are kind of a very, very light blue. And then England is just, like, black. Like, it's, like, you know. <laughs> all of it's coming from there. The, all, all of the traffic's coming from there, yeah. Um, and I'd say, for the satire of Dread, it's tough, man. Like, I think Dread gets lumped in with a lot of the sort of fascist superheroes from the 80s, like your your Punishers and so on. Yeah. And no one's really that interested in going deeper with it, you know? Like, it's hard. And I think this is a little bit also sort of as well sort of, I don't know, I, th- I feel like some later Dread writers are less up with um, Wagner and Grant in terms of Dread actually being a satire. Like, there's definitely points where he's where it's not really as tongue-in-cheek as you'd like it to be, I guess. Um, well, so I have some thoughts around I, this, which is, like, yeah. I... So oh, please, yeah. Clearly, clearly, you and I sort of being two people who, you know, one who actually has a, a long and um, colorful history with... Uh, comic books and one who doesn't uh, you know mm-hmm. um, I don't think that that's been lost on either of us just as like two specific examples I actually think that the bigger problem with say like people quote getting dread is that 90% of well I shouldn't say that but there's a lot of people who will talk about dread having never read it right who would have been exposed mm-hmm. to like the movies and things like that which are much more permeated in the United States Whereas, again, like Conrad said this quite a few times, we've got a lot of superhero comics in the U.S. And for a very long time, it oh, yeah. actually wasn't a very celebrated hobbyist kind of thing. Like, they were popular in, in the 50s and such, uh, but they died out in the 80s. Like, there was the, that sort of resurgence, and in the 90s there was a little bit of a resurgence, but it never really got, like, the kind of, of foot traffic that it seems to me like like kind of permeates through through Great Britain, um, though I could be wrong, right? Um, England in general. So like I, that's sort of my take is like I, I bet you people would if they actually sat down to read it, and I kind of think they should because it's a, a lot better than most of the garbage that I'm used to reading. <laughs> Which, <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't know what your take on that is, but that's, that's sort of mine. Yeah, I mean, I you know... Everybody just, there's just so much stuff to do besides read comics in like 2019, you know? I mean, the, if you look at the, like I've, I've read stuff about comics where they talk about circulation numbers and the amount of sales that a comic in, like in like, you know, in like 1975 or something, the number of comics that you were selling, like the, the worst seller of like Marvel or DC 
in um in in comics those in, in those years if it sold that many in 2019 it would be a like industry defining hit <laughs> like, wow like it would Holy be shit. it would be doing numbers that like no one's heard of in years it would be on the cover of every industry magazine cuz it was doing such amazing amazing business um and but if you know again yeah like uh 30 you know 40 years ago if it was doing that much it'd be like well this comic isn't selling at all we got to get rid of it you know and i think that's the same in england i think it's the same everywhere like comics have just have trouble you know and they're yeah. they've been supplanted by so many other things that are easier than reading a book every week you know cuz these lousy kids um it's tough and i think it's a it's a it's a thing that hasn't really been solved that is a uh, an existential crisis in comics that I feel like people are having trouble solving or solving in a way that uses comics as opposed to branching out into other mediums like movies and TV shows and stuff. Mm-hmm. Especially given that kind of climate, right? Like there's tons, like you would think with the resurgence of it being on TV and in, in sort of movies that people would go back to sort of the base material. It just, it's too bad that it happens to be Marvel, which is a giant like hole of retcon. So <laughs> I don't know. Like continuity in in these in these movies, as an example, is what people are looking for, and that's kind of what it, 2000 AD does really well. So it's sort of a shame that you know that hasn't sort of been picked up on by Rebellion or or pursued in sort of any active way, because they've got a huge treasure trove of things that they could interconnect within any sort of television series. Yeah, I mean, well, I think we should wait because I feel like there's a bunch. There are several questions along this line oh, sure. <laughs> we should get to. So answer it there, because Bob t- Bob's second question is, um, or he he he's he got a second set of questions, which is, um, how did you first become aware of 2000 AD? Who was that made you aware of it? And then, uh, what's the first 2000 AD thrill you read? And what 2000 AD thrill would you most like to see on film or on TV oh or as a fiction podcast? So let's do the first one. So how did you become, or I'll say, I became aware of 2000 AD from the, from the Dread movies, from uh, St- the Stallone one that kind of piqued my interest. I remember when it came out, I was a kid and trying to like, like I, I went around, I was in, I, 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 the, the summer came out, I went on vacation to Delaware and I, I always bought comics when I was out there because they didn't have sales tax. They were a little cheaper and stuff. I remember trying to find like a Judge Dredd comic and being unable to in like 1996 or something. And it was only after the 2012 Dredd movie that I decided to really make a concerted effort to try to find 2000 AD and sort of, you know, I found sort of a collection of it and I uh, started reading from there, I guess. And then, Fox, I believe you learned about 2000 AD from me, just like, it's, you know. Yeah, almost just, specifically 2000 AD. I knew what Judge Dredd was, or not was, but I yeah. knew of it. But yeah, no, that was that was a really easy answer. I didn't know what this thing was until one day this guy I know talks to me about it. Yeah, that like, oh, sounds pretty interesting. Right, and so I think also then the first 2008 AD thrill you read was Invasion <laughs> because that's the first one <laughs> in 2008 AD. Awesome! What a way to yeah. Start the world was never the same. No. Yeah, I, I think I read some random dread stuff first. Like I think before I found. An actual two that like you know whatever before the dark web gave me scanned copies of the original 2000 AD. There were a couple <laughs> collections of just Judge Dread stories. Yeah, and so I read those, and I was like, okay, but I want to get, I want to go from the start here. Enough of this jumping in the middle stuff. <laughs> Jesus. And then okay, so what 2000 AD thrill would you most like to see as a movie, uh, as a TV show, and as a fiction podcast? Holy fuck. Um, I guess. 
I would want to see Death Planet as a film. <laughs> Whoa. Um, Monstrous. Not actually, though. Uh, as a film? As a film. I guess... I guess Skiz. Or maybe, like, Halo Jones. Because like, I think Skiz would do really well. Because uh, people would think it was aping off this one thing, and then it would kind of change tangent very quickly. I also think that would be fairly damning for it. Um, but... And that in the hands of the right people, I feel like it could be really fantastic, especially with the story that it's telling and how. And I think that it would be kind of a fresh take on E.T., given that, um, in my opinion, Steven Spielberg lost his teeth a long time ago. So <laughs> how about you, man? What, what would you like as a film? Oh, man. I mean, there's a lot of choices. I think for um, for a movie, I don't know. Like I think a I think a good strong team dog movie could be really good. Mm-hmm. Although I honestly that that I'd rather see it as as like a TV show. Boom! You um, stole my fucking thing. I want Netflix. To oh open no! Up a goddamn strong team dog syndication. Yeah. Anyway, but please. like a Harry Twenty movie or like a, even like something like like honestly any of the stories that we saw that were really like sort of short and self contained. I feel like could be a good movie. Like a like Project Overkill, yeah, which was kind of an end. Like an obscure one that's just about conspiracy theories and stuff that could be really fun. Yeah, I think some of the action stories could be really fun too. Actually, Get like John um, Wayne to play the <laughs> the lead character because apparently that's what every kid in yeah. 2080 wants. <laughs> or Clint Eastwood, yeah. like uh, like the Running Man, the uh, the action story could be a really cool movie. Mm-hmm. I think like the mistaken ident- identity and things like that. Um, yeah, for TV shows like Strontium Dog could be good. I'd really like to see a uh, a, a show like a Harlem Heroes, but done like a Friday Night Lights kind of thing, where you kind of like have intrigue around the game and then play the game and stuff. I think that'd be really cool. Um, and then yeah, like the Harry Twenty show that's just like like Oz but in space. Like I I I want that in my life, you know. Oh, sorry, sorry. Uh, for movie, also Stainless Steel Rat, buddy. No, no oh, choice. Yeah. Give me all, give me all ten Stainless Steel Rat books as movies. Uh, animate them in Carlos Escara, um like oh, art man. format. Like just kind of like just a, put it in my like brain. Heavy metal esque, like sort of yeah. movie, right? Like that would be great. Yeah, that's my I, dream. I, <laughs> I actually, since you mentioned it, I think a Harlem Heroes fictional podcast, kind of in in lieu of or in the. Same vein as as uh, the thrilling adventure hour, right? Where it's mm-hmm. there's a lot of like uh, effort being put into sound effects and and the the stagemanship of the whole thing. That would be really fun. Um, really, just anything that ran for a fuckload of time. You know what would? Because it, it ran entirely too long. Is Meltdown Man? Meltdown Man would make a fucking <laughs> great fictional podcast. You could just adapt that. You'd you'd mm-hmm. you'd start losing who the fuck was anybody, but I would love to hear the voice of Tiger Commander. So, <laughs> yeah, I think for a fiction podcast, I'm just sort of imagining that as as like a radio play. Also, I think Rogue yeah. Trooper would be really good, actually. Ooh, um, man, like a 1970s just because sort of thing, yeah. Yeah, or and and just because so much of of the interaction between Rogue and the Chips is just them talking, you don't need as much like stage direction and stuff for it, you know. Mm. So it's sort of you can have sort of war sound effects and like the different chips wisecracking and Rogue sort of riding herd on them and stuff. I think that could be really interesting. Yeah, feels good. Yeah, that was a good totally. question. Yeah. All right. Um. So from Gareth Lloyd uh, Tallman. Um, yeah. Okay, fellas. 
How did you two meet? Uh, you know, we were co-workers at, like, a game company that no longer exists in San Francisco, California. <laughs> as, as is almost often the case in California. Yeah. Mobile game company, like, long, whatever, long-running stuff. Fox did live ops, I did live ops QA, kind of lived it yeah. up, you know, various industry it was, terms. It was good, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, I think... Um, I think it was mostly that uh, that that I made... I actually made friends with another dude that I sat mm-hmm. next to that was Fox's roommate. And so we sort of ended up hanging out kind of aggressively that way, you know? Yeah, exactly. And well, because I, I remember we were – because I, I was poking you about comics because you had been reading them. And you had been talking about like uh, your kind of going through Judge Dreadathon. Yeah. I mean, they've already Always. heard the story of, of how. But like that was just like, you know – and and uh, haven't been able to separate us since. It was pretty cool. No, man. I mean, I, I'll say, and I feel like other people have asked a similar question, but um, I always go back to, the, there's this podcast, uh, The Worst Idea of All Time, where these two guys watch uh, Grown Ups 2 every, every, every week for a year <laughs> and, 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 and do a podcast about it. <laughs> um, that would be Really, horrible. highly, highly recommend it. It's a really good podcast. And really? those. And, and those two guys and and basically said that um you know doing a, a weekly podcast for an extended period of time is the crucible of a friendship it makes you know oh if you God. want to become better friends with somebody just do a weekly podcast with them and if, you know you'll either end up hating each other or becoming the best of friends and i really feel like that's what's happened with fox and me you know yeah, absolutely We've, um, it's really like you know the like it's a it's a relationship I feel like that I, I I've that I can't really describe I guess yeah. you know but I that mean, makes us really re, really close we really good friends you know yeah I I can't even tell I mean obviously um, other than other than being the fact that I live with my girlfriend there are very few things in my life that I will ever dedicate time for because I like to keep my schedule as open as possible for like stuff that I want to do as opposed to like whatever, but being able to sit down every week, not always every week because of myself, but like, I, I like sitting down and doing this with Conrad. He's my, one of yeah. the best. Oh, thanks friends. man. I, I, um, I feel I the same doing way. This. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, so now, now time to, now time to tone it back up with saying, Hey, uh, who would you, who, who would you cosplay and why? Oh man. Um, I mean, I'm a fellow of carriage, so I feel like, you know, it's hard for me to choose twice that'd be really a really good cosplay. I think a large fellow, you know? Like I think like a like like a real good fatty costume would be funny. I like the idea of that belly wheel just kind of being because it give you a a place to sit when you're at a convention also, you know? Oh um, actually that's pretty good. Um Okay. Like, but I feel like I, if if I was going to cosplay, especially in, in a Fox based situation, we'd have to do a team cosplay. Yeah. So like, you know, Fox would be so like I, Fox. I love you to be like Johnny Alpha, and I could be Wolf or something like oh, that. that I think that'd great. be really awesome. We could do like a Dr. and Quinch. We could do. Ooh, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I like Johnny and Wolf. I like Dr. and Quinch. Is there any other like uh, duos that we can use? I could dress up as Church. <laughs> Or no, yeah. you dress up as Hershey, Move I'll dress up, up as... Uh, as uh... Yeah, you be Hershey, yeah, I'll, I'll be Hershey, you be Anderson, it'll be good times, you know? And and Podcat can be Judge Shred. <laughs> nice. Oh, I yeah, like this one. Because it's, it's gender reversals or whatever. Um, yeah, that feels yeah. pretty good. I honestly yeah, but, think Johnny and yeah. Wolf we could do. That would be fun. Yeah, definitely. 
Yeah, and then, and then Podcat could be the Gronk. It'd be solid. <gasps> oh my god, I, I bet you we could get her like a little Gronk costume. That'd be so great. She'd have extra paws. Uh, all right, anyway. Um, would yeah. Dave the Orangutan uh, make, uh, excuse me, Orangutan, uh, make a better president uh, than the currently or the current similarly colored one. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'll I'll say like in Dave's favor, he won with the majority of the popular vote. Um, mm-hmm. He seemed to have the support of um, all civil institutions. People were very sad when he was assassinated, and it was done for a poorly paid um, insurance bill. I don't know. I don't like to get super po- po- political on the podcast. I guess. Yeah. Um, but you know, I mean, Dave the orangutan. He's a yeah. I'd vote for Dave too, and I feel like you know the jokes just are so obvious that it's hard to not you know <laughs> you, you can see them real real clearly. All right. Yeah. So uh, why can't Americans say uh, aluminum correctly? And it's because we oh, actually uh, already are. Yeah, I believe it's aluminium in um, in England, but that's weird, buddy. I don't like that. I mean, it, it is. <laughs> But how how it's spelt is aluminum. I mean, I feel like uh, for me the big revelation is that um, people in England pronounce buoy as boy. Like that's really been freaking me oh, out, yeah. just for various boat reasons, I guess. People keep like, and because it keeps coming up in Ace Trucking, people are like, oh, you're saying buoy in a really weird way, and I'm like, <laughs> you guys are saying no weird way. Get out of here. Buoy. <laughs> yeah, Bowie? like a thing that floats in the in the ocean. Yeah, buoy. I mean, it's spelled B U. B U O Y, buddy. That's a buoy. I just don't. <laughs> so, <laughs> I love. I love that we're we're really sticking to our guns on, on how we how we say shit. It's great. Well, you know, I mean, I I just uh, you know, two nations divided by a common language. You know, that's what Oscar Wilde said, and I feel like it's as true now as it was then. Oh my god. <laughs> Beautiful. So, next question is final question from our Twitter folks: Is what is your preferred tipple when recording the podcast? And I mostly do water, like, you know, like oh, I just got to stay bright and stay on focus and stay lubricated, I, you know. I don't know, I don't know what you might be <laughs> referring to, Connor. I mean, you know, I think we'll all remember episode 100 when I got, re- when I got pretty dang drunk, like, uh, like that was a bad that time. Was awesome. And that was I think so the show awesome. had a, so some fun. really weird situations because of it. Yeah, a lot of swearing, a lot of swearing, Conrad. <laughs> like that's that's really the tough part. Like you know, my buddy was like, "Hey, like I know it's your hundred episode of your podcast, but you should, probably shouldn't actually share it at work because it's just a lot of swearing." And this, I was like, "You know what? You're right. <laughs> I feel bad about it a little bit." Jesus. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I swear, I swear a lot, even at work. Yeah. People just people just no. Know you're what's fine, but I'm, 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 I'm. Yeah, I'm the straight man, so it's not as you know. It's it's more unusual when I do it, you know. Um, so for me, I mean, the, it's lately been water, um, but I apparently everyone, <laughs> the fucking world can tell when I've had a few to drink, which is generally, I'll tell you when I'm when I'm coming when I'm going to go sit down on a Sunday, uh, although it's a Saturday when we're doing this, but when I'm sitting down on a Sunday. I'm about to record. You know, I'm going to have myself a little bit of wine. Uh, Or gin. God, I love gin. Such a fantastic drink. Hey. Um, But, you know. It's usually fine, you know. I mean, (laughs) like... 
There's been some rough ones. I, I feel like I cut out the, the part where you asked me if Rogue Trooper was circumcised or not, which is always a real high point <laughs> so for Drunk God. Fox for me. Um, <laughs> Do you see what he has to deal with? But or, you know, uh, I mean, it's like honestly, these are these are the quirks that make the Conrad Fox relationship so fun. But also, why you know the I, the steady hand of a Conrad. sober Conrad is so required. <laughs> <laughs> I love working with you, buddy. Me too, man. It's oh, awesome. That's, that's fucking fantastic. It's great because. I, I just have so many people in my life who are around to censor me at the right times. <laughs> Thank you for making me slightly more professional and not saying to to the world that I was considering whether a big blue man's penis was circumcised or not. I mean, it's a fair, I mean, you know, I guess theoretically it's a fair question. I think I, well, I based my answer on the fact that like, yeah. And that, and I, I think I based my answer on the fact that he had a belly button, but I forget what I actually <laughs> said about it. Um, oh my God. <laughs> they did make him a belly button. Yeah. Oh, well, you can't have a two, so right? Weird. Anyhow. <laughs> so... Let's go to our Facebook uh, questions. Uh, George Cook asks, and this is kind of a joke one, uh, are you covering all the stories from the 90s or are you skipping the really shitty ones? You'll be spoiled for choice. <laughs> oh, my God. So everyone keeps saying the 90s are some impending doom. I mean, I'm kind of excited yeah. because I, we, need, I'll say that, we need to palate yeah. cleanse, you know. <laughs> Yeah, the number one question I've gotten since from the start of this podcast has been this exact question. Oh, you guys seem really enthusiastic and you're like you're you're having a lot of fun doing the podcast. What are you gonna do when you get to the nineties? Like it's gonna be no more fun, you know? Well, yeah, if it's the no fun zone, we're just gonna keep reviewing it and I'm gonna be really sad and not talk yeah. a lot. I mean, I'll say my answer for all that for for this has always been that our goal with the podcast is to sort of say, you know, is to be is to say what we feel about things and be honest and then try to articulate why we both why we like something and why we don't like something. And Some so of us can articulate better than others. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, whatever. But I think like. You know, I'm a I'm a big believer in going into everything with a positive outlook, like with the idea that I'm going to like what I'm going to see. This has got me in trouble in nerd in a lot of nerd circles where the sort of default thought is I'm going to hate what I'm going to see, you know, or I feel yeah. like it is sometimes. But I, but I also like think I often that that's a very yeah. healthy uh, like life choice. Content. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 been helpful for me i mean i i think it, it it's gotten me into fights where i've sort of taken a uh it's not that bad stance with things uh, and been vehemently disagreed with you how, know how like, dare you how dare you not but compare so, yeah. this to like genocide <laughs> like that's but like you know yeah but i i I'm 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 assuming that we'll, we'll go through the '90s. I think there's always going to be at least one thing that's at least moderately decent in the comic that we can cling to. Oh sure. Will, I'm hoping to find some diamonds in the rough of this time that's just sort of universally scorned. Um, and I think it's just an interesting, you know, it's a thing that creates a baseline for later. You know, we're seeing all this really great stuff in this sort of golden age, and as we enter into the dark age, I think it's still sort of interesting to document it. You know. Like I think it's really cool just the the how this show has changed over the time. Like if you look in like the on the 2080 forums, um, 
uh, the uh, Steve who, who who wrote the the initial post says, "Oh, this, here's this great early 2080 podcast, right?" Well, now we aren't an early 2080 podcast; we're a golden age 2080 podcast, you know. And eventually, we'll be a 90s 2080 podcast. I think the evolution of the show is really interesting and really fun. And you know, for me, the 90s, while it is, it, or it's like you know, it, it's it's like canoeing where sometimes you've got a really calm calm river and the scenery is really nice and sometimes you've got rapids and things are hard but it's still like an exciting thing to talk about and stuff i'm really honestly as we get closer to them i'm kind of excited for the 90s i think there's going to be interesting stuff i definitely don't want this podcast just to be like some sort of torture cast we're like oh this (sighs) is terrible someone kill me i've made some sort of strange monkey's paw um, packed that I've got to read these terrible comics. You know, I feel like I want to bring the enthusiasm that we've had for stuff that everybody agrees is good into an era where people think is not that good, basically. And if things aren't that good, I will make fun of them. So, I mean, either way, I win. Yeah. <laughs> so. I mean, Fox has been saying that he loves Schlock since I think episode one. So I feel yeah. like, you know, he's he's ready for Bay Brace, guys. Oh, he's guys. ready for like Mother Earth and like cannon fodder and stuff. <laughs> You know, I like. I like. He's ready really for. Bad. He's ready for that one where it's about a cop that's a a mutated goat or sheep man and what? eating meats illegal. Like I think we're gonna be what? real excited about what's gonna happen in the nineties. You know. Oh, oh, <laughs> those are not good choices. And I gotta say, at this point, I just love va- like va- vaguely explaining what upcoming the upcoming thrills are and <laughs> sort of, make like freaking Fox out about them. <laughs> yeah, funny. listen, I try to tell, I try to do it as nonsensically as possible because it's real weird. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, so uh, next up, uh, uh, David Renane from uh, from Where Eagles Dare, actually, good guys there. Mm. Hope I pronounced your name right. I'm pretty sure I didn't because I'm a terrible person. Said, wow. uh, so how far ahead are either of you with any of the upcoming thrill history of the progs? Um, so Fox, you're like, or I guess we just, we, we're like about to record like April, May, 1984 as mm. we're recording this episode right now. So, so that's where you idea. are. Yeah. Um, or sorry, April, May, 1986, I should say. Um me, like I'm, I, th- I think at this point I've reread through all of 86 at this point. I usually try to sort of, at the start of, an, of a given Stay year, I kind of curve. read ahead so that, yeah, and just so that I can know what's going on in the progs when I do like a special or an annual, which I'm starting, you know, I'm, I'm sending out the emails to everybody who signed up for the 86 annuals and specials. He's kind of coming their for you. Right now. Yeah, listen, I've already contacted several of you. Um <laughs> Um, besides that, you know, I, I've read the first thousand progs. I did that in a prog slog that ended a couple of years ago now. And um, then I picked back up reading the new stuff from nineteen fit from prog 1950 onwards. And I'm maybe 30 progs behind in the new stuff, but I'm catching up now. Um, that's where I am. So I've got an idea. I've got a shape of the land, I guess, until we get to Prague 1000, at which point yeah, that's that's going to be Undiscovered Country, which is going to be very interesting, Fox. i got no way to guide us at that point. So I'm, I'm excited about that. <laughs> well, the, the um, nice thing is uh, I'm not allowed to read ahead. So no, I'd I'd rather you not. I like to you know I like if you'd read ahead, then you know you'd know about Ben ninety and stuff. That would have been terrible. Well, that would have been that would have been <laughs> fucked up. That was so good. yeah. Yeah, don't spoil Fox, you dang internet people. I see what you're doing. Um, 
David also asks, uh, do you have any plans for coping with the 90s? And I feel like we sort of answered that already, where it's just kind of mm-hmm. like, you know, we're going to take it as it comes, look for the good, and try not to let the bad drag us down too much. And okay. then he says, uh, do you Stilton believe in the word of Jesus? And again, like if you're a rat on a world made of cheese, I feel like you could just sort of keep eating and not worry about, um, you know, rat made <laughs> cheese climate change, you know. Although I do think oh it's funny God. that I, I I made that joke completely forgetting the fact that in Halo Jones book three, they start calling, they say Jesus instead <laughs> yeah. of Jesus, which I think is pretty funny. Like That's that was a weird great. crossover for me. <laughs> Oh my um, God. David also asks, I, I, I mix this one together. Uh, I appreciate this is tricky with the likes of Mills and Wagner occasionally riffing, riffling through the archives to revitalize strips of the past. But given the finished thrills you have covered to date, are there any you'd like to see come back or be reinvented with more modern sensibilities? What do you think about that, Fox? Like what, what thrill would you like to be see brought back like to the present day or maybe just to the days of, of 1986? Um, okay. Well, uh, hmm. I'd love for them to do sort of a new Harlem Heroes, um, mm. like realistically, because that was something that I did really like. I, I mean, a lot of these are going to be the early ones because they made such a, a like val- valued impression. I'd love for them to try and take something like the Invisible Man or the Visible Man. The Visible Man, and yeah. Try that again. Um, it sounds like Invasion's already up to bat, so we'll see how it goes. Um, kind of going forward, because I, you know, obviously we we sort of had said a, a little while ago. I don't know if Halo should ever be remade or or even continue. Mm-hmm. But um, I guess it, other than that, I would say, given that we talked about it today, Mean Team, Mean Team mm. could could now, if you framed it as he is the bad guy, and had him sorry, just, Mean Arena, Mean Arena. Thank you, Mean Arena. And fuck it, Mean Team, too. God, I'm saying a lot of, like, <laughs> sports comics. But, you know, I, I think that, you know, Talon being a bad guy, like, that could just be that could just be a thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because everything else sort of fits where it needs to be. More Strontium yeah. Dog, please. Always. Yeah. How about you, man? Yeah, um... Man, I'd say I agree, actually, yeah, that um, I, you know, I, listen, I've got a script treatment for, like, a, a revitalized meme team. Like, like hit me oh, up, yeah. 2000 AD. Like, I got an idea for it. Um, besides that, I think, um, yeah, like, Visible Man coming, like, I'm sort of, well, I don't, I don't know. For some of these, I got to answer sort of as 2019 Conrad and some of them as sort of 1986 Conrad, you know? Mm. Like, cause circa 1986, like, I wanted to bring back a lot of the launch thrills. Uh, oh, yeah. Flesh invasion uh uh mach one or mach zero harlem heroes everything i want it all back in the prog you know the thing is that most of them have been brought have been brought back subsequently to varying degrees of success you know (laughs) Um, right at this point i don't know i think it'd be i think it'd be interesting to have another sort of monster strip in the vein of shako and 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 hookjaw yeah like, I think that's something that would be interesting to see in, like, a 2019 sensibility with just, just sort of how much of a conversation we've had about horror movies and stuff like that since I'm, then, you know? I'm surprised that they kind of dropped that as a as an aspect. Yeah, I mean, I think, like, the I think the problem is just that so much of those stories initially re- re- relied on hyper-violence that they're sort of worried about putting in the comic too much, oh, I you mean, know? Oh, sure. 
Yeah. I mean, both both Hookjaw and Shacko are sort of on the balance, shockingly violent. You know, it's a really crazy thing. Um, but yeah, I'd say those are the the, the big ones. Um, yeah, I'd love to again. Got to meet Arena plot. Um, and um, <laughs> like, I'd like to see j- just sort of some random ones. I feel like I, f- I feel like a modern version of Death Planet could be interesting. Oh. With like a, with like an idea of making a real story out of it and stuff. I mean, just sort of Pikachu you know, colonists lost on a planet. Everything. Yeah, with Pikachu walkie talkies <laughs> and eventual space pirates and stuff. That could be interesting. Like, man, a, re- a return to Armageddon story that sort of drops the oh. final third and just kind of talks about like some guy that can't die but is incredibly oh ugly and his um, sociopathic robot sidekick traveling the spaceways. <laughs> like. That feels really strong. That would be um, that would be fucking fantastic. God, I'd love to return yeah. to Armageddon except for the end. Yeah, like a like a sequel to Meltdown Man, you know? Oh, but would like be really maybe good. half as long. Well, I mean, for me the length is such a is such a thing that makes Meltdown Man so noteworthy, but I know what you mean. Yeah, I mean something that sort of has a has has that kind of gets the point a little bit more. It could be okay. But mm. yeah, just sort of more fighting in this weird world of uh, furry guys and stuff like that could be really awesome. Will he, and the big question, will he melt? <laughs> you know? When's he going to melt? Um, yeah. All right. So, <laughs> so from, from Zane, uh, Kemp Miller. Kip Miller. Yes. Yeah. He just did the two. He was our, he was my co-host for the 2080 annual for 80, for yeah. 85 for last year. So, since you guys are doing the D&D Slay and stuff, what are your favorite or best D&D moments that you'd like to share? And, uh, Conrad, I'm going to take this first, because actually it's Please. the one that I use for everybody um, in terms of, like, uh, like one of my favorite times. And this was recent, because Conrad was our dungeon master. Hey! And Conrad, Conrad takes a lot of time in actually building out an interesting thing. It's just, as usual... You either have a group of people who work together well, or you don't. <laughs> like, it's kind of the case. But he put a lot of thought into this. Um, it's kind of like village where randomly this tower had kind of shown up. And inside of the tower, it could be like a, a billion stories tall or whatever. But each room was very different or could even be outside or like whatever. It was just this mysterious tower that you kind of had to go through. And this town made it kind of its money by giving you access to it and being able to leave it um which they had figured out how to do and so you kind of go through there and you collect treasure hopefully or maybe you just die but regardless they get paid and the town survives so we go in there for the first time um and (laughs) everyone's being real serious about kind of walking walking through stuff and of course i'm a half orc barbarian um because that is the only thing that I will ever play in D&D. It's just a, not <laughs> not comically ridiculous, but definitely more on the side of Slain of just like, I don't give a single shit. I am here to, like, to, to have a good time and use my strength. But I was, I was thrown pretty hot that night because, if I remember correctly, I, I kicked down or kicked a door open. Mm-hmm. And I had kicked it so hard that... It, flew to the other side of the room uh and inside of the room were these like bugs they were they could like yeah rust monsters yes and then there was also a statue um that was drowish i want to say or something like that 
and it was trying to talk to us and I was having no, basically nothing was really going on. So we ended up, I ended up picking up the statue, smashing the bugs into the pit of spikes at the end of the thing, which they just ended up eating the spikes. So they were really happy about it. And then (laughs) because I was super mad at the statue, I used it to battering ram open a magical door. Yeah. Good times. You know, felt like I I felt like a barbarian that was ridiculously strong. Yeah, it was. I I remember everybody else just looking on in uh, in stunned silence as you did all these things. It was pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> just because I was rolling well, man, I, I doubled yeah. down on my strength. Nice. So how about you, man? D and D D and D stories. Oh man, I think for me, my top moments are you know I've sort of spent a lot of time as a as a dungeon master or whatever else. It's not honestly my preferred position, but as someone who's willing to buy the books and do some background work, I often end up being in there. Um, I think for me, the best moments are always when you get to finish get get to a finish point of a campaign. I guess yeah. like I managed to successfully finish a, um, a big or two big uh, campaigns in the game Deadlands uh, one in Ooh. the uh, sort of in this future in the in, in their futuristic like uh, post-apocalyptic setting uh, the the weird west or the uh, yeah the wasted west and then another one in their sort of standard like cowboys and zombies wild west setting as well with two different groups but there were sort of campaigns that we each one lasted over a year. We had a whole bunch of different Whoa. adventures and like the characters kind of went from just being sort of random Joes to like big legends of the West and stuff. And that was really wow, cool. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, both of them were sort of re- like one was a real example of like what you can do in in, uh, in RPGs when you're in college and everybody has like a Friday night free, basically. And the other one was a similar thing, but sort of when everybody's willing to like open up their sun their their, their their Sunday morning for some uh, Wild West action, you know? Fuck yeah. It was good times. Who isn't ready awesome. for some Wild West yeah. Sunday action? <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I, I stopped watching football because of it. it was a weird thing. But oh so Zane's God. other question is uh, if you could pick any three 2080 main characters to have go on an adventure together, who would be your lead role, who would be the one that messes up everything, and who would die horribly before the end of the thrill? I feel like for me, the obvious choices for those ones are Judge Dredd, Ace Garp, and Wolf Sternhammer, R.I.P. <laughs> oh my god. Um, god, uh, for my adventure, I would have it led by... Hmm. Oh man, I really gotta think about this. I would have it led by, um, uh, oh god, why am I forgetting the name? I it would be led by uh, Rick Random. Good enough, Rick Captain, Random, Captain Clep. Well, so Rick <laughs> Random, the one that would mess everything up would be Old One Eye. And the one that dies horribly Ooh. before the end of the thrill would be Rollo Hardy. I was trying to I was trying to get a bad guy in lineup. <laughs> nice. Because I fucking yeah. hate Rollo Hardy. You know, Hardy. three of the four He's dark judges is always a good man. choice, you know. Oh yeah, you know. Yeah. I guess yeah, judge uh, judge death. That works out. Yeah. Wheelchair bound cyber goblin Rollo Hardy. <laughs> cyber goblin. So from uh, from Paul Smith with everything you guys have read from 2000 AD so far, what do you feel should be adapted for TV or movies other than Dread? So we kind of covered this a little bit, I feel yeah. like. 
Uh, I would love to see either Halo Jones or Strontium Dog, uh, at, but as a TV show, keeping it to an episodic tone uh, it had in the comics um, and the Apocalypse War for the movie trilogy. And honestly, that feels pretty good. The Apocalypse War could be a pretty fucking great movie. Yeah, I mean, I think um, the hard part for a movie thing would just be doing more to establish the world of dread, you know? Like, mm-hmm. like there's so many times, and I, and I think I've said this before, when, they t- when like the Dread TV show was first announced, people talk about, oh, wait, they got to do The Cursed Earth, they got to do Judge Cow, they got to do um, The Apocalypse War and stuff. I mean, for me, a lot of losing it is really based on... Um, is really based on having a world that you're attached to 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 see destroyed and stuff like that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's sort of an interesting. So I, I I think that's I'd say that's true, but with a caveat, you know, that you gotta sort of build it up, I guess. Cool. So let's go to emails here. The first one's from Steve Green, who's also been on the show in, in uh, one of the 2080 annuals uh, in '82. Um, he asks us also about film and TV. I th- that was a pretty common question for these ones. I so, mean, you know, I feel I think, like it's I think, a pretty natural one. Yeah, definitely. So, okay, so he said, then he asks, uh, if you had been Tharg and with hindsight, what stories except Halo Jones do you think could have run longer and which stories, excluding Rogue Trooper, do you think could have been wrapped up sooner? <laughs> which I think is pretty oh funny. Knowing, of course, especially Fox's opinion about uh, Rogue Trooper. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, so in terms of, like, longer, I guess just Invasion never stopped, right? Or or Disaster mm. in 1990, because um, that could have been... <laughs> I, I both could have had a little bit more room to breathe. I just, I, I like them so much. Um, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, that, that feels about right. In terms of, like, reducing time, I still feel like Meltdown Man. It It is an impressive amount of progs. Do not get me wrong. <laughs> it just it, it went on a little long and and had a bunch of like weird sidetracking into like barbarians and stuff like that. You know, you weird son of cheetahs. A bitch. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so how about you, man? Shorter, longer? Um, yeah, I think for longer, man. Um, whatever. There's still like there's still like eight more stainless steel rat books that don't have uh, that didn't have get Ooh, series. That's like, awesome. I would have. I would have loved to see all of those been adapted. They're all real fun, or they're all like sort of the same as the other ones. Like I definitely like more stainless steel rat in my life for sure. Although I guess on the balance, I'd rather have Ascara doing Dread or Strontium Dog generally. But like if you could clone, like have like two Ascaras and just have one do Strontium Dogs while the while the other one's doing the rest of them, that'd be real great. <laughs> Jeez. Um, for shorter, I don't know. Um, death planet <laughs> right just to get it out of here or like or like return to armageddon just because then we wouldn't have oh, sort of yeah. the ending that that it had i suppose um i don't know i i for me there aren't really a lot because i i have a higher opinion of rogue trooper than you do fox um so at this point i feel like there isn't really something especially sort of circa 1986 that i'd pull the plug on i might have i i might pull it on rogue trooper later just when it sort of feels like all right we're still doing this or just some other ones that kind of keep coming up and it's like oh my god like we've got like we're covering like five years of like uh the new harlem heroes or something like come on guys um wow 
But at circa 1986 and, and what, what we covered in the podcast, that's like which one would end sooner? I have trouble answering. That's not just like, uh, let's just make Rick Random be three issues, you know, <laughs> or something like that. I'll, I'll, take, I'll take his and just say all future shocks should now be one page only. Whoa. <laughs> so next Steve asks, uh, are there any strips that you, um, that you think coming up are going to be particularly divisive between you guys? I was quite surprised by how much Fox liked Mean Team and enjoyed rereading it via his enjoyment. It's like having a DVD uh, commentary strip for the uh, commentary for the strips and adds another layer to stories I'd kind of dismissed. I will say that I'm pretty shocked in this episode at Fox's uh, distaste for Meltdown Man, which I think well, is amazing. Okay. It's one of my we faves. Have to be, we have to be very clear, right? Like, so the first thing is I don't think there's the I don't think there's ever been a particular comic strip where you and I have just been like, what the fuck, man? Like, nah, fuck you. Like, I don't, we're not really that way in terms of mm-hmm. like being uh, divisive against each other. I'm pretty accepting of Conrad's weird thoughts. He's pretty accepting of mine. I mean, in terms of Meltdown, man, dude, we can come to blows over that. I'm just saying yeah. like, I, I remember it like still vividly and just being like, holy God, like, it was it was a fucking Homeric epic. <laughs> yeah, I like that about it though. I think it's great That's that fair. it goes on forever. That's such a rare thing. I will say, um, I found uh, uh, Rogue Trooper to be pretty divisive, but b- between us, like I, I, I actually there's a there's a there's a bunch of Rogue that I really like, and I know like Fox is, has 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 not been a huge fan of it. You know, no. so. I mean, but that's I mean, also again, that's also not yeah. us being at each other's throats, I guess, which is always what I. Yeah, but I don't think that's divisive. ever going to really happen, just because we don't no. take it that seriously a little bit. Um, I'm going to be very interested to see what Fox thinks when we get to the more sort of Simon Bisley and Simon Bisley inspired era of art in 2000 AD, like okay. that sort of painted, painted like a hyper exaggerated style and stuff. Just because it's huh. very unusual, I think, and not like things in a lot of comics. And I've got, honestly, some what I feel like are controversial opinions about it. So, <laughs> you know, like, we'll see if Fox agrees with me or just sort of how we go with that and how everybody else goes with it as well. Um, oh, interesting. So we'll see. Um, you know, I mean, and honestly, I'll say that just also just for the throwaway thing you said, like, I do sort of see us. Like, I feel like for me, the highest compliment is that we end up being a good companion to sort of reading yeah. the frogs and stuff. I appreciate like that's that something. Also. Yeah, that's really um, an amazing thing for me. I know I really like having recap things like either a podcast or an article or something like that when I when I watch old stuff. Right, like um, for a long time, I was watch I was listening to this uh, to this uh, pro wrestling podcast that did reviews of like uh, pay per views in the in the Attitude Era, like like in the late nineties, basically. And I'd like watch the episode and I'd listen to their commentary on it. You know, they're like recaps of it, basically. Awesome. And that's been a big ins- inspiration for stuff that we've done on this show, at least in, in some of the things I've done. And so to be like that for two thousand AD, I think it's a is a real honor and something I really like. Um, oh, and then Steve sort of talks about how um, the suck hail part of those thrill suckers was pretty cringy. And yeah, oh, yeah. seriously. <laughs> no, it's just like, Jesus, come on, guys. <laughs> <clears throat> Absolutely. All right. So next, oh, go, go ahead, Fox, please. Oh, yeah. So uh, Joe Eddie. Uh, so first question, I guess everyone will ask uh, how you two met, but just in case they don't, how did you two meet? So we did go over that. Okay. Yeah. Working uh, together, Tom, San Francisco company no longer exists anymore. Bad times. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
uh, Conrad, of all the people that you could have asked to embark on this odyssey with, what was it about Fox that made you choose him? Oh, man. Um, I think we had, at that by, by the time we were sort of talking, oh, well, one, um, Fox was a guy who really liked my Doctor Strange podcast. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, when it came out. It's fucking awesome. Like you liked, Asbestos yeah, beats you, everything. Totally. Yeah, you uh, you listened to it and said you liked it and stuff. And man, like, if there's one thing I know about the early days of, and often like mid days of podcasts, it's that any kind of positive feedback you can get is a precious thing. I've really raised Fox's, um, Fox's stance in my eyes, you know. But then like... You know, I think if you've listened to the show, you've had moment. You've all we we we've all heard time when Fox talks about something very something kind of silly or comic booky very seriously. He's like, Conrad, this is this, you know, whatever. <laughs> and I think we started having that kind of conversation about about 2080 generally. You know, mm. in that era in 2016, I was a new podcaster, and things really seemed like. If I liked something, I wanted to do a podcast about it. Absolutely. I started like two or three. Um, and I think Fox seemed like a cool dude. And we had some really good discussions about it early. And I was just, you know, I was just like, oh, man, like no one else really seems interested in doing podcasts, but you seem really into it. Like, let's do it. And you were like, yeah. And I was like, awesome. And here we are, you know, two and a half years later being cool Jesus. podcast bros. Yeah, man. <laughs> like, it, it's been fucking fun. It's a roller coaster yeah. of, of comic books. God, this yeah. is, I just, I can't land the fucking jokes. <laughs> you got it, buddy. So the next question is also then what, Fox, what, what was it about Conrad that made you want to say yes to this expedition in Thrill Power? Uh, so I think, like, it's, uh, for people who have been listening for a while, and even if, if you haven't, um, I think it's really uh, obvious, at least the first point I'll make, uh, like, Conrad is an incredibly hardworking person. Uh, it's It's sort hmm. of hard to see or i guess hear when you're when you know you're kind of listening to some stuff and it's entertainment and all of that but you know uh, i've been on record for saying that he's you know obviously he's the one who's doing the editing he's the one who's like prompting everything to get like scheduled and ready he's the one who's fixing everything up uploading it on websites interacting with the community like this means a lot to him um and he's taking on a lot of that burden but even outside of just that, right? So when I met Conrad, um, there have been times where people who do not consider the that other people are real thinking human beings <laughs> um, and just sort of shit on people. And the way that kind of Conrad deals with that is by just doing great work um, and not really you know, sort of, and reminding people to do their fucking job, mind you, but he's somebody who, you're not calloused, you're a very, like, open, honest, and hardworking person, and as weird as it that sounds, that is something that you don't find a lot in business or at work normally, uh, at least I feel, I think a lot of people kind of phone it in for the most part, um, even within our line of work, which is not great for, for people who enjoy entertainment. But more than just that, like, Conrad is, like, fucking passionate. He's not just passionate about, like, comic books. He's also very passionate about games, about movies, really about almost any media out there. I have had conversations 
where literally he and I very much disagree with each other on like whether or not something's good or what something's saying. But he's but how he explains it and how he's eloquent about it, he will never say that this is garbage. He will say, like, this is not very good here. Let me explain to you why I'm using a lot of, you know, ten dollar words for 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 this kind of stuff because he gives a shit. Uh, and so when uh, he sort of approached me, like I had, to th- I didn't really need to think about it because I knew that I was going to be taking it seriously. He knew that I was coming in and I was going to be funny and a little bit more lax than he was, but that's who I am. And I knew that I was going to be sort of shown this world with somebody who takes it that seriously and is very serious about making a fucking podcast happen. So that's my long-winded answer. Yeah, and I'll say, you know, you've been a great partner as well, Fox. Like, I, I could have done this with anybody else, I think. And just the fact that we're, you know, three, almost like two and a half years in, we're zeroing in on our 150th episode. We've done mm. like almost nine years of 2000 AD um, is really, um, it's, a, it, it's a testament to, to, to both of us, especially you. I really appreciate that you've been, that you and I have been able to put this show out. It's no easy thing to like sit down to prepare and record these episodes and get them edited and get them on online and stuff. Well, you know, it's a, it's, it's a part-time job for me. Basically I spend maybe 20 hours a week just between prepping for shows, editing them, putting them out and stuff. Um, it's, it's no small amount of effort. And so I appreciate that, that you take it seriously and that we can sort of, you know, be able to have a great product as a result of it. You know, I just wish, yeah, you know, if there's one thing, I just wish the, uh, we had more more people listening to this show. That's sort of a, 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 the, the, the nature of the beast almost, you know, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um, and I love everybody who does listen to the show for the record. Like if you are a listener, whether you've talked to me or not, whether we you've done a, love you. like in a uh, review or not or anything, we just really appreciate you doing so. It means a lot. Always does. So, okay. So next question was. If you could choose the 2080 partnership that closely resemble that closest resembles yours, what would it be? And uh, Joe suggests either a Dread and Tweak or Banjo Quint and Lucas Rudd for what's your take? Oh, oh fuck! <laughs> I hope it's not Banjo Quint and Lucas Rudd. It means likely I'm gonna die. No, you're going to die, and then no, I'm, I'm going gonna to die. I feel like I'm Banjo in this situation. Yeah, yeah, and then I'm just gonna turn into like this hard. Hard podcasting, man. I've been seeing things. Um, yeah. Uh, no, I think uh, I, I stand by my DR and Quinch, or my uh, or because we're not as serious as Johnny Alpha, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. we're at least eloquent enough, but we're also a hoax sham because we're actually robots. We're actually robots. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Hammerstein and Rojas, buddy. That's there who it is go. all the time. That's who it's been all the whole time. <laughs> right it's in your so faces. Wonderful. It's so Ah, uh, we fooled I you. Do, <laughs> yeah, I do think that Ham, yeah, yeah, Hammerstein. I'd be I'd, I'd See, I think, Hammerstein. Yeah. I like DR and Quinch also just because um like because because uh drs talks a whole lot and then um uh, quinch just jumps in there with like a couple words that just are, are the perfect capper to everything you know <laughs> like that feels real good mm. um i'd say um uh uh Sh- shacko and unk because i because <gasps> you, you you betrayed the human race to be part of this podcast with me good times <laughs> um 
and you like to eat people and can randomly grow uh, in size from very small to very large by yelling, enough Chuck. One time I punched a walrus. <laughs> <laughs> Remember that one time you got into a, a, a man on bear fight with a half Eskimo man named Mr. Dollar and then like he tried to throw a harpoon at you but that didn't work so he used a rocket launcher and you exploded. <laughs> Remember that time I was a little kid and I killed a killer whale with my bare teeth and then destroyed a ship and everybody on board it. That wasn't an annual though, so that one's less well known. Oh, okay. but it's so good. It's so good. Yeah. I actually do like Banjo Quint and Lucas Rudd for the for the yeah. record where um, Lucas kind of has some ideas of things, but it actually Banjo is sort of the grizzled guide showing him what to do and stuff like that. It is, it you know, is really Despairing when... Yeah, and like despairing when Lucas gets caught in some sidetrack or decides to be a hero or something like that, you know. <laughs> it's so great. Yeah, so okay, oh man, we're getting oh. towards the end here. Long episode here, but I think it's fun. Um, all right, so from the 2080 forums, um, Alex F. asks, did you reply to Eamon Clark's top 10 list challenge? And if so, what were your guys' top 10 dread and non-dread stories? No, oh, I did not do this. I'd have to All right, I did. Thought. So, yeah, so I'll, I'll list mine right now. Um, my number one was The Pit, which is forthcoming. That's a big uh, dread epic thing. Then uh, 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 number two was Apocalypse War and Block Mania. Three was Super Surf 7. Four was The Cursed Earth. Five was The uh, Dark Judges. Six was The Robot War, just from the start. Seven was basically anything auto sump related. Eight was. Uh, the Judge Child, nine was Judge Cow, and ten was the Black Plague, which was that big spider attack on Mega City One by Ron Smith. Oh. That was really cool. Um, my top thrills were Invasion slash Savage, just those the the Bill Savage saga. Um, my second one was sort of the mainline ABC Warriors, especially the first ones. Then Strontium Dog, Nemesis, Skiz, Slain, Halo Jones, Indigo Prime, Brass Sun, and Brink. I really love Brink, actually. That's in the current progs and is really cool. Um, and Indigo Prime is a, is, is a more modern one that's got a lot of weird reality bending stuff that I think that cool. I'm, I'm stoked to get into because I'd like to read that one again a little close a little more closely in the course of the podcast. Oh god, see you in 30 years. <laughs> yeah. Uh next oh sorry um and then Alex also asks uh, what were your, both of your comics reading origin stories Fox how did you st- how did you start reading comics if you have something that's um, a, that's about oh, that. Oh man, so like when I was really young uh it was kind of like a, a thing at the end, you know, when you're checking out at a shopping counter. My mom mm. would, uh, if I was good, I was actually, I was collecting these for such a long time. And I was really young, maybe nine or, or so. But it, do you remember next to the TV guides, there were the Disney um, comic books. It'd be kind of like mm-hmm. a small paperback. It wasn't like a huge book or anything like that. But no, like quite like an Archie Digest or something like that, but for Disney yeah, characters. Yeah, exactly. And it was an anthology. They'd have like a couple of different, like, well, maybe not ongoing stories necessarily, but they'd have a bunch of little stuff inside and some games. It's very similar, weirdly, to 2008. It just happened to be Disney. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah i i can't remember any of the stories and i remember them being pretty affecting or, or cool or whatever but um that's kind of how 
Those were my first comics, and then I dropped off for a long nice. time. I, I read some small stuff with friends or stuff that they'd have at each other's houses and stuff. I remember reading a fucking Star Trek comic book once, and that was fucking weird. <laughs> yeah. But I, I never really got into it super whole hog. There, there are groups or collections of them that I really enjoy. Um, obviously with them, and I, I'm, I've talked about the Runaways. It's fantastic. Anyway. Mm-hmm. How about you, Conrad? Cool. Yeah, for me, um, I guess my origin story was in like the mid '80s. I was really into uh, to Alf, the uh, the sitcom oh my God. with the with with the with the alien and stuff. Awesome. Um, and so Marvel at the time did a bunch of uh, tie-in comics, like basically comics, like 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 an Alf comic book, basically. That would have like different ALF stories and stuff. It would have sort of the art style of the Saturday morning cartoon of ALF that was also on at the time. Um, and I was like, I must have been like six or seven. And I was just like, was all over ALF. I had a stuffed animal that I took with me everywhere and stuff like that. Um, and so I got my parents to start buying me them. I actually got a subscription and stuff. And, you know, as much as that is, it's just sort of a lame like licensed tie into a TV show. Whatever. Like I really, cre- yeah, but I really credit those elf comics and wanting to read them and you know hearing more of his adventures and stuff that's the that those are the things that really got me to like be interested in reading like i was never really that into like the books that that other that the kids were reading that we were supposed to read as kids in school and stuff um it was really those elf comics that made me want to like be willing to read words on the page and That's sort of awesome. brought me in to literacy generally. I really credit them for that, sort of in my in, in my life, I guess. Great work, Alf. That's sort of, and then, yeah, you know, I've sort of, yeah. Um, and since then, you know, I've read like I'd say it's funny. Like I don't really think of myself as a comic book nerd. I guess, although I've been branded that many times, just because of my podcasts and stuff. I, I guess I am now because I have multiple comic book podcasts, but. Uh, <laughs> Like, of the nerd things that I do, I'd say I'm more of, like, a video game or Warhammer nerd than a comic book nerd. Like, I don't really have a big, like, especially physical comic book collection. There's huge gaps in my knowledge of comic book things, you know? And, like, I don't really follow any modern comics these days. I'm more sort of about reading old stuff and big collections of things and stuff, you know? So, Mm. like, I was more likely to just be like, all right, let's get, like, every Doctor Strange comic and read those. Or I was a big fan... Yeah, I was a big fan of the Marvel Essential books, which were these big sort of phone book sized black and white comics of just classic, like, you know, like, here's all the amazing Spider-Mans just sort of in one place, you know, like, I'm, that's much more my speed than sort of what I think of as sort of a regular, an, an actual comic book collector that's sort of reading things month to month and collecting things that way, I guess. Yeah. Uh, cool. So, uh, Lay S asks... I'd like to ask how you first stumbled upon Tharg's Mighty Works as Americans and with at least Fox in his 30s compared to the bulk of the bulk of us 40-somethings at best. Makes you outliers in the general audience of middle-aged Brits. Um, it's a long-held belief that the USA doesn't get 2000 AD and that younger people don't either. Any opinions on why that might be if you agree with it? I mean, we talked about this a little bit in that, um, like, I... I... I don't think that people don't get it. I just don't think that a lot of people read comics or, and then are then not, uh, they're not going to read something first. That they're not familiar with, right? For you, it was Al. For me, it was Disney. For a lot of people, it's fucking Wolverine or whatever. Yeah. Um, I, and I read my share of Wolverine. Yeah. yeah I, mean, I mean, I, I, yeah. yeah. 
I mean, I'd say, like, I think it is that Americans don't get it, kind of. 2080 really? is really different than American comics. I mean, it's a weekly anthology, which is really different from most, most American comics which I think of as, as mm, monthly, monthly and just being about one thing. You know, it's about sci-fi instead of superheroes, which is a big difference. I think for a lot of people, the word comic book also means a story about a superhero, basically. <laughs> Yeah, um, I guess. And like, because I mean, because that's what we call super, because that's what we call like, like the, the Avengers movies, right? Those are, those are called comic book movies, even though they aren't mm. done in the format of a comic book, right? There's nothing to make them a comic book except for the fact that they're based on superheroes in a comic book, right? Sure. So, and I think that's something that is really like, like a lack of sort of institutional knowledge about 2000 AD is I think what really hurts it in America. So much of so much superhero stuff, especially in America is based on nostalgia and references to how you think things are supposed to be that you kind of know from like the cultural memory of America, basically. And so much of, of modern comic stuff is trading on that where you have, where, you know, a lot of like, like of Marvel's lineup is like, hey, like here's Lady Thor, here's a black Captain America or black Spider-Man. Like those characters are good. I really like Miles Morales. I think Sam Wilson was really good as uh, as Falcon or as as Captain America, I should say, or Jane Foster as Thor. I thought those were all interesting. But it is very much like, oh, you know this character of Spider-Man or of Thor or of Captain America, but we're going to change him up and you're going to want to read the comics to see what those changes are. You know? I think it's the same thing with movies where it's hard... Like, even relatively minor characters before they became movies like Iron Man or Captain America for the Marvel movies, still have people have, like, the average person still has some, they've heard the name or something like that, you know? I think sure. the problem I, with with Dread in 2000 AD is people come into them and just no one knows what they are. At this point, like, I've, you know, I've worked with a lot of nerds in the last couple of years and maybe they've heard of Judge Dredd. They definitely don't know that Judge Dredd is in a comic called 2000 AD. They definitely don't know anybody else in 2000 AD. You know, the well, characters so that we've come to love, of, you know. That's sort of what I mean by when, when someone says that the USA doesn't get 2000 AD, right? Like that, then my assumption begins at they have read it but don't understand like why it's interesting right no but to, i mean yeah I mean, i'm just i'm thinking cultural zeitgeist like yeah there's i think there's tons of reasons why that likely yeah i mean that's there. what i'm saying by get i mean i'm just thinking back to when you know I, I i remember i um in like early 2016 i just gotten my 2080 subscription and i was in like sort of the start of this podcast really was um you know, me reading those on like my monitor at work at lunchtime and like you and a couple other guys sort of walking past and sort of noticing that I had some crazy stuff on my screen, sort of, you know, a conversation starting about what 2000 AD was mm-hmm. and stuff. And I remember that at that point, actually, a, one of the jumping on progs had just come up, you know, the thing they do now where sort of the prog restarts and it's just all new, th- all new stories and thrills and stuff. And I remember giving that to to a to, to all you guys and everybody just kind of being like, oh, it's just hard to, it's hard to know what's going on. Like, I'm daunted by the fact that it's like issue, like 1975. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, all these stories feel like they've got all this backstory that I, I'm not aware of. And it's hard to kind of just pick it up in mid, mid pace and stuff. I think that's something... And then also, like, so it's like five stories in one comic. It's like all the stories have different writers and artists. Like, there's 
so much different stuff going on throughout the page. Mm. It's something that even like a comics nerd in America isn't used to. And I think getting it is an, is a, is a key point because it's sort of something that you have to sort of get out of your comfort zone to like get the hang of almost. And honestly, for a lot of people reading, yeah. And I think for a lot of people getting like reading comics is specifically a, um, an exercise in get in in being in your comfort zone, basically. Yeah. Well, I, um, I mean, it took me it took me about what uh, a prog to just one prog to get me into it. Probably four, if we want to talk about the episode. Yeah, but that was after. I mean, I gave you like the the conversation we had in the bar that really started this podcast was also me giving you the hard sell about all the craziness and the progs and stuff like that. You know? Oh, sure. Like when we had previously had just kind of a conversation about, oh, Judge Dredd's kind of cool. You should check this out. Like you didn't read that comic. Like you no. said you didn't. <laughs> like no. so, you know, it's hard to sort of. It's hard to expect Americans to have kind of just have Conrad show up and make an impassioned plea to start reading these <laughs> are comics. You, you know? Are you I don't sure? Know because that is sort of your treatise of this entire podcast. Hello, America. I mean, it's actually not shit. <laughs> you know, again, like Rebellion, hire me for my uh, for my selling skills and my uh, and my mean arena uh, spec script, like whatever. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um. And so then Lay also asks, uh, following from that, if you were Tharg for the day, week, year, what would you do? And you can do this as 1986 Tharg or today Tharg. Uh, I would remove all Tharg-based comics and all future shocks. <laughs> I think at about 500, they do really decide to get rid of most Tharg-based comics for a long time. Well, like that's, that's, when a big... I, that's, that's when I was granted Tharg-ship in the future. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, future, I mean, we've talked about this, how future shocks are just a part of the structure of the comic when they need an extra page or something like that. I don't don't hate them. I don't hate them. I just, they're, they should be confined to very specific rules and that's how I like them. (laughs) I don't, I don't even care if all four that I would have in, in a random month was the same tiny alien story, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Fair enough. I think if I was 1986 Tharg, I'd do everything in my power to secure Halo Jones Book 4 in 87, 88, or whenever, and just sort of try to keep that going, basically. Well, like, why don't you that's sort of a st- for good? Yeah, ooh, look at you. <laughs> Whatever, bro. Creating. Um, and if I was, yeah. <laughs> and if I was modern Tharg, actually, I think, I, I mean... I've heard rumblings that they're doing this, but I would try to expand 2000 AD into the video game space more. Um, God, why not? You know, everybody talks a lot about an idea of an open world dread game, like sort of a dread Skyrim game, basically. But I mean, I do lower five than that. I do a ripoff of like Marvel Strike Force or uh, Galaxy of Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes. You know, so just some character based mobile game and um, do that with 2000 AD characters like instantly. You know, like, I think that would do a lot to, you know, if you could do a good version of one of those, it'd be, you know, it could be reasonably popular. It would bring, get eyeballs on the comics and just sort of increase these characters um, knowledge in the, in, in the space. I think that'd be a really great idea and something that could actually make them some money for once. I don't know. Jesus. Final fight as I mean, rebranded invasion. That's, that's what I'm oh, yeah. right there. I mean, specific games, of course, like in specific stories, are also really good. But you know, that would be my that would be my big thing. Was I just sort of I'd license it to a to a game company and just have them do a reskin 
of um, one of those yeah character RPGs as 2000 AD. <laughs> Just get it out there. Um, yeah. Okay, so next we got a, care, a question from, or our final set of questions. Oh man, from the monarch on the 2084. The monarch. He's got he's got the guy's his picture, so that's exactly it. Um, so he says, "I'm curious as to how much Fox knows of what is coming in the 19 as the oh, 1990s zero. move ever closer, like a horror movie serial killer. I'm sure Conrad knows of the horrors to come. The, uh, yeah, you know, like, we've talked about this a little bit. Like a horror <laughs> movie uh, victim, I have no idea it's coming." <laughs> and then for me for a question for me the next few years you need to cover what are you looking forward to both personally and for fox's reaction Ooh, because the big ones i was look, i was waiting for fox's reaction were to the big twist that i talked about like ben 90 and and toby being evil for so sure fucking oh toby being evil broke me yeah, I'm. I'm really interested to see what Fox thinks of the, of, of the strong team dog bitch storyline. Um, I think that one's going to be pretty amazing. Um, like, I'm interested to see what Fox thinks of Friday. I guess who is going to be this new kind of rogue trooper character that's going to show up. Okay. Um, and then just um, you know, oh yeah, and uh, and uh, Big Dave also. I think Fox, you're going to really. I think we're going to have we're going to get real angry about Big Dave when, when we get to it. Um, <laughs> okay. And then also, I haven't actually read this part, but I guess there's a point in the 90s where Thar gets replaced by some men in black. And I just, I'm, I'm wondering what you'll think about that, too. I guess no. just uh, a different person hosting the comic and stuff like that. Okay. Although I haven't actually read those, so I don't know quite what the deal is. <laughs> Charted territory. Got it. Yeah. So, okay. So then finally, I like this one's for ending. Um what is the absolute worst thing you've encountered so far? Green Karas Karod. Green Karas Karod. Yes! The fucking worst. <laughs> That's such a ridiculous take, buddy. It's I think we so all know it. stupid. Um, um, I really didn't like uh, Death Planet, I guess. Just because <laughs> it feels like such a waste of the first female character in 2000 AD. There's a part in that show, Futurama, where uh, Le- where the, the character Leela, who's a, who, who's a lady, becomes... Um, a, a, a Blurns Ball pitcher, but she's there as a joke, and then someone else comes in as the first good uh, female Blurns Ball pi- uh, player, <laughs> and that's what I kind of feel like about like Roxy and Skiz or something like that. Like ah yes, yeah. like uh, Lorna Varn in Death Planet was the first uh, female 2008 female protagonist, Lorna but Roxy's Varn. the first good, the first good 2008 female protagonist. It's <laughs> fucking true. It's but then true. all that stuff like like Rick Random is real. I really didn't like just because it was very confusing and not well done. <sighs> I mean, what was um, the like point? A, like a parlor mystery is just tough for for comics, I think. Um, and then also, <laughs> Especially, like com- it's the guy with the skull <laughs> on his chest. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then like, I feel like I've. Tur- I, Maybe I've turned a little bit about Colony Earth. That's one I'd like to reread. That was one of our other sort of big bad oh, ones. Just because man, there's so much text and there it covers yeah, just, parts of the art. Just because that one feels very old school. So I wonder sort of having read action and sort of been in that sort of mode. Like even a year before 2000 AD, the amount of verbiage on a page is really different than it is in 2000 AD. So I'd, I may be interested to reread that one and see how I feel about it with sort of now that uh, with reaction, I've gotten some more experience with those ones. Fair. Um, and then so our final question is, has your opinion on earlier... 
on earlier stuff you you you've been cold on changed or is the opposite true where you liked something or you something you liked in hindsight was not as good hmm. um so i guess i guess th- this one's more for me just because i sort of had you know um a, a, opinions coming in um I think the biggest surprise is how much I've liked um, Ace Trucking. That's one I sort of wrote off as looking kind of weird, and I decided not to read it the first time through. Um, and so rereading it now and finding it to be really funny and, like, really great has been a very pleasant surprise. Um, I think for something that I, that, that I did like that, I've, that I've, I've cooled on a bit has been Rogue Trooper, just because I think Fox is sort of not being impressed by it, has made me sort of notice some of its formulaic nature and sorry, elements man. that are sort of less than invented. You know, it's, it's how it goes, I guess. Um, I think also like, um, I, I always remember a uh, project overkill as really being sort of a lost being sort of a diamond in the rough that no one really talks about, but that was a, a very taut, like fun, mm. just six prog story. Um, and I like Meltdown Man a lot too. I didn't read that one very closely yeah. the first time, but I've, you know, the, the characters and the way that Hebden sort of tells the story and then the amazing Ballardinelli art for Meltdown Man has actually made it one, one of my faves, which is why I've been so defensive of it this episode. <laughs> um, um, yeah. Yeah. I, I guess, I guess I'd probably go back and read Mean Team or Mean Arena. Um, mm. Like... I don't. I can't. I can't tell if I hate it or not. And maybe if I just listen to some of the old casts and then like kind of relive it, maybe I'll remember why it was horrible. <laughs> um, but I remember laughing at it. And I guess like, I guess like I'm, I'm, you know, not so, not so angry at it anymore. In terms of like, I don't know stuff that stuff that I liked that I might have been that might be getting cold about. Hmm. 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 It's hard to tell without going through again. That's what I yeah. say. Like, I don't know. Well, I don't know. Like, uh, Ace Trucking's fine, uh, like, as an example, right? Like, I, I actually like the latter or the later versions a lot more than I liked the earlier ones. Like, I, I definitely mm-hmm. didn't like things like... So, for liking it, I really didn't like the uh, Captain Blood um, arc. I liked him near the mm-hmm. end, obviously, but, like, it was just such a, like, what the fuck is going on here? I guess that's very yeah. That's fair though, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think I'd change a lot of things. I I kind of want to go back and read some of the trash, but I think that's also for me. I liked it during a time, and I think we were talking about this not too long ago. I liked it when the comics were actually changing up and trying new things yeah, at a regular pace. We we've talked about that a lot. I think yeah. I think we're entering into a into a period where we're doing that again, where there's going to be more variation within the comics you know i think mm-hmm. we've had a little bit of that recently but it's definitely going to start coming up more and more as the years are going on yeah all right that's all i got cool all right yeah i think we're at the end, end of the questions fox uh, <sighs> do you have anything anything specific for me or are you, are you ready to go no actually i we got it they they asked a couple of them uh i guess i'll ask uh where can they um find out more about our podcast <laughs> Oh, yeah, buddy. Listen, you can find Space Spinner 2000 on iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, or podcast site, spacespinner2000.com. Feel free to contact us at spacespinner2000 at gmail.com on the 2080 forums. 
or on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages. On Twitter, at SpaceSpinner2K. Everything else. Look for SpaceSpinner2000. You'll find us there. And until the next episode, I'm Conrad East Fox, and we are SpaceSpinner2000. Splendid for three!